Before we get into today's Reddit stories, I first of all need to tell you about one of my other favorite Reddit podcasts out there, The OKOP Show. If you guys are looking for even more daily Reddit content, then The OKOP Show with John and Sam is perfect for you. Just search for the letters OKOP wherever you get your pods. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. These are my top 10 Reddit posts from the entirety of 2022. This is my personal list of my favorite stories that I've read from the past year on any subreddit ever. Let's kick things off with a classic entitled parent story. This is number 10. My son is upset because he got banned using your accounts and that's your fault A friend of the family who I always had to call aunt is a woman who has a teenage son that I always had to call cousin that is on the autistic spectrum She's usually nice but is a total karen when it comes to her son She and her son came to our house to stay for a couple of days because they were traveling for vacation She arrived some time before my friend came to pick me up for work So I was giving them company. Her son is 16 and isn't dumb at all. He speaks almost three languages, but he can be really childish. So I gave him my phone to play with. Then the woman started her speech about how social networks are evil and only cause damage, are full of lies and predators, except for her Facebook, of course. Then finally, my friend arrived. So I just ran and went on my merry way. I didn't realize that I didn't have my phone until several hours later. When I came back from work, she was angrily waiting for me. I could hear her son crying in a room My phone was on the table and my family was looking at me weird Now I couldn't think of any reason for that behavior So I asked and the woman handed me my phone My facebook accounts were suspended I was banned from a subreddit I had several messages from my friends telling me that someone was using my accounts And I had some angry messages on other social media platforms This is what happened since her son wasn't allowed to have social networks and the mum didn't realize that he still had my phone He had browsed through all my phone's social network and communication apps Subscribed to several accounts related to his favorite movies and books and then started to argue with everyone about the books in different platforms Then he went to discord and got expelled went to reddit and got banned from a subreddit when his begs didn't work to lift the ban He then went to facebook to complain on the fan page of the book and got me suspended for insulting the people that didn't agree with him Then he tried to get help from other platforms and got some more fans angry at me But when I arrived home his mum was angry at me because his son couldn't enjoy his book anymore because of the bad time he got then she scolded me and contradicted herself because she was angry telling me how bad social networks are but also telling me how it was my fault her son got exposed to such a horrible time i explained to her that he got me banned not himself and that he could just make his own accounts but she didn't want that she wanted him to get unbanned because it made him feel unwelcome and he couldn't have his own accounts because social networks are evil but he could use mine. My family was understanding, but since the kid was feeling bad, I just sighed and tried. Facebook was a lost cause. 
The Reddit mod thought I was lying and being childish. The Discord mod was understanding after a little talk, and the people on the other apps were a mixture of understanding and just thinking I was a butthole. My aunt still thinks it was all my fault and is angry at me even after I explained that I was the only one harmed here. She thinks I didn't get unbanned from the other social networks because I was being mean, and she's probably going to believe that for years if other situations like this one come up. Now I've just got to hope that this doesn't happen again until they leave. And also, her husband called, apologizing. Look, I can understand her desire to protect her son, but I can't control the internet's response. Well, there you go, guys. Uh, It makes a lot of sense to me. Your own kid getting someone else's Reddit, Discord, Facebook, whatever other social media's account banned. Yet no, it's not your kid's fault. It's their fault. Oh, peaceful. It makes a lot of sense to me. It really does. It's actually ridiculous that she blames you for all of that, yet still doesn't let her own son make his own accounts or give him her phone for him to try. You know, it's weird. Like, you've done a nice thing there by giving him your phone. Yeah, no, it's your fault. Makes a lot of sense, woman. Okay, then, moving on to number nine in the list now. And this is from r slash pro revenge. And it's quite possibly the saddest story on this list. We all like a good prank, right? But when it's malicious and at the detriment of someone else, then it's too far. This revenge is perfect, though. Turnabouts is always fair play. I'm not sure if this one belongs here, as I was not the one actually wronged. My revenge was taken for someone I've never met, and I honestly don't know if they personally got any satisfaction from it. I do know what it did to the perpetrator, and that it satisfied me, so I'll let you guys decide. Like many of my tales, this one takes place in the distant past, before cell phones were common, and before universal caller ID was the norm. In a time dinosaurs most likely roamed the earth, well, the 80s at least. These things are very important to the story. Our tale takes place in a large West Coast city known for a big orange bridge and delicious sourdough bread. I was living in the city for several months working temporary duty for my company and was preparing for work on the day in question. As was my custom, I was getting dressed listening to the morning radio show on a local station. This station's jocks had started doing something called the Monday morning wake-up call where on the first day of the week they would make a prank call on the air to a victim chosen from writing suggestions from the listening audience now doing this was actually very controversial in radio circles at the time i've been a radio dj in my hometown for a few years and there are rules you must follow one of the biggest rules is that you can't make a false or deceptive radio transmission like announcing an emergency, sending an SOS, or cry for help, or other such deceptions. Doing so is a federal offense. You can lose your license and be fined, or even do jail time. It's a big no-no. The debate has long since been decided, but at the time, doing prank calls on the air was a gray area. There were people who were sure it constituted a false transmission, and some stations refused to do it. The argument was still alive at the time this happened. This day happened to be Monday, and the intended victim had been nominated by her husband. They had experienced a power failure at home earlier in the week, and the husband's suggestion was that the station call his wife, claim to be from the utility, and tell her that the power outage was somehow their fault and they would have to pay for it. The station staff loved the idea, and they proceeded to call the wife at her place of employment, a local bank. The victim answered, and the prank began. Hello, is this Mrs. Victim? I'm John Doe from Area Power Company. 
Do you remember having a power failure earlier this week? Well, it was due to a blown transformer on your block, and we've determined that the cause is a wiring fault in your house. We may have to cut off your power until you get it fixed. Also, you will be charged for the transformer. The total cost is X thousand dollars. Which prefer we put that on your utility bill, or do you want to make other arrangements to pay? As you might imagine, the woman was shocked, then scared. As she asked for more information, having trouble believing that they were going to have to pay thousands of dollars, she got increasingly more upset. This egged the radio staff on. The guy making the call kept increasing the pressure on her more and more, eventually telling her that her power would likely be cut off until payment was made and that there might be a lawsuit. After several minutes, she suddenly hung up in tears. He called her back, and when she heard his voice, she hung up again, crying even harder. This time, the guy waited a minute and then called back again. Another lady then answered the phone, a co-worker, and he asked to speak to Mrs. Victim. When the co-worker asked his name, he replied, This is her husband. The co-worker cursed at him, called him a liar, and hung up. The radio studio was filled with laughter. The jocks thought it was hilarious. They took calls from listeners who were all laughing and talking about what a great prank it was. They finally got the husband on the phone, and he was also laughing and joking that he'd surely be sleeping on the sofa tonight. He was congratulating the radio staff on the fine job they'd done, terrorizing his wife. The radio host promised the listening audience that, because the prank was so funny, they would certainly be playing the whole recorded prank again at noon. So, be sure to be listening and call your friends. I, in my efficiency apartment listening to this, was getting mad. I was still pretty newly married and I couldn't imagine doing something like that to my wife. All I could think of while the staff and listeners on the radio were laughing was that a few miles away, a young woman was in the ladies' room crying probably with co-workers trying to calm her down. What made it worse to my mind was that the guy who set her up for this was the one guy in the world who should have had her back, her husband. Anger turned to resolve. Resolve formed a plan. I grabbed the city phone book. Remember, it's the 80s and looked up two phone numbers. I called the first one. You may remember that I said I'd been a radio disc jockey myself. It was a tiny dawn to dust station, but I knew how stations worked. I knew what they liked, and more to the point, I knew what they did not like. I'd also done a lot of voiceover work and could sound professional as heck. The phone rang and was answered. You've reached Kyle, radio jerk. I launched my attack. I began in a professional voice. Yes, this is George Smith. I picked a more believable name. From the city office of the Federal Communications Commission. I've been getting some disturbing calls about your morning radio show, and I need to speak to your program director to discuss it. The radio guy stammered. Uh, he's not, um, here right now. Let me get you someone else. I was put on hold, and after a few moments... Hi, uh, hello, this is Radio Guy 2. Um, you're from the FCC? Yes, this is George Smith from the Office of the Federal Communications Commission. As I told your co-worker, I've been getting some disturbing calls about your morning radio show, and I need to speak to your program director to discuss it. Uh, he's not in yet. He'll be here at, um, nine o'clock. Okay, well, I can start with your station manager, since he will need to be in the conversation as well. The radio guy was breathing fast at this point, starting to lose all his composure. Oh, 
wow um he gets in at nine too i am um, i i can um can i have him call you he half asked and half pleaded i let out what i hoped was a bureaucratic sounding sigh very well i will expect to hear from him at nine I will need to speak to your station manager, your programming director, and very likely your on-air personnel from this morning. I'll also need your station logs. Oh, yes, sir. I'll make sure he calls you right away. All right, well, I'll be expecting his call. Here's my number. At this point, I gave the radio guy the second number I'd looked up in the phone book. The main number for the Office of the Federal Communications Commission. The radio guy stammered his thanks and promises of phone calls, and we hung up. I went back to the radio. The jerk disc jockey said, "Uh Uh-oh, the FCC is calling. Well, they can't do anything to me. I've got a year of pre-law in college and blah, blah, blah. He continued his defiance for a few minutes and then went to commercial. I kept listening. They stopped talking about the prank call. They stopped taking phone calls from listeners. They stopped talking to the husband. They started playing music. A lot of music. I listened for the rest of the day. They didn't talk about it the rest of that day and they didn't replay it at noon In fact for the rest of the week. I listened and heard nothing about it. I was a bit surprised I figured that they might stop talking about it for a little while, but not altogether It wasn't until later that I realized why they went so silent I had scared them in my quest to get a little vengeance for that crying woman. I'd never met I scared them but more to the point i'd embarrassed them and jerk disc jockey had helped once he went live with his bravado against the call from the feds their listeners knew they'd been called and heard the silence afterwards too they were embarrassed because i just done to them what they'd done to her and they didn't even want to admit it now i've kept the name of this poor woman's husband a secret because i've always wished that i could meet that woman and her husband's name would be how i would know it was really her I doubt she's still married to the guy, but I'd like to let her know that in that place, on that day, someone had her back. And there we go. That is the end of that story. I've got to say that is hands down one of the best revenge stories I've read. First of all, amazingly well written and structured. I enjoyed that. But secondly, I cannot believe that radio stations in the past were allowed to do this. Look, I'm all for a good prank in good nature that people can laugh at. But when it's malicious like this and you're really causing this woman to go through such a terrible moment in her life. I mean, yeah, genuinely floods of tears. She's probably thinking about the insane amount of debt that she's about to get into and the fact that she'll have no power to her house. Or for what a couple of cheap malicious laughs on the radio. Why that's insane and also her own husband has done this to her Yeah, I agree with you op. I doubt that they're still together and I very much hope that they're not still together But wow the fact that this sort of stuff used to exist is mental to me Thank god that people like you exist op people that are going to take things into their own hands and enact some sort of revenge like this Ultimately, I don't know what happened to this woman So we can't say if this revenge was successful or not But at least this radio station got a little taste of their own medicine embarrassing them pranking them to a good extent But wow, what a horrible thing to have done. I can't really believe that was allowed. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now for number eight in this list. Now this one has to make my top 10 because it actually went viral on TikTok and caused my video to blow up. This is a story all about a parent canceling a 14-year-old's birthday party. My parents decided to cancel my 14th birthday party to accommodate my spoiled younger brother. Then they reinstated it when I told everyone at school. I am a 20 year old man and this happened when I was 14. I have a brother that's about six years younger than me. He was extra coddled by my parents for having been diagnosed with high functioning autism when he was four. But other than that, he seems very normal, just unbelievably spoiled. And he used to get his way a lot. And by a lot, I mean nearly all the time. Anything I had, he also had to have. So that meant we had doubles of almost everything that wasn't a shared item. And anything he had that I didn't, he'd rub in my face any way he could. When I was 11, I begged my parents for a 3DS for my 12th birthday. I got one, but then was told to lend it to my brother whenever he wanted it, or else I'd have it taken away, which it was a lot. When my aunt found out, after seeing my parents forcibly take my 3DS out of my hands to give to my brother on one of her visits, she let loose on them for such blatant favoritism. They returned my 3DS immediately, then blamed me for the situation after my aunt left. But they didn't make me give it to my brother again. Instead, my parents went out a few days later and bought another 3DS as a surprise gift for my brother. On several of mine and other people's birthdays, my brother made a huge fuss because the party wasn't all about him. Even going so far as to outright state that he was upset because he wasn't getting any gifts or getting to blow out the candles on the cake. My parents learned the hard way that they couldn't enable my brother the way they'd have liked at those parties and were actually kicked out of a few for trying that. And because of that, other kids at his school stopped inviting him to birthday parties altogether. For me, my birthdays were some of the only days I had that I got to have about me because otherwise my parents forced my life to revolve around my little brother. In the year prior to this story taking place, my parents ended up paying more attention to him the entire time of my 13th birthday. And they even asked me if I'd let my brother blow up my candles for me because he was upset and pouting. I refused that because I wanted to blow out my own candles. They called me a spoiled brat at first until my aunt intervened and chastised them on their favoritism yet again, stating how much she'd noticed how my brother gets nearly everything between the two of us just because he's autistic. My parents got no support from anyone else there other than my brother, who was still crying because he wasn't getting to blow out my candles. And because he didn't get his way, he tried to outright spit on my cake out of spite but my awesome aunt thankfully blocked him before he got the chance then scolded him till he ran to my mum in tears my parents took a lot of heat from the other adults there and then promised to never ask me to let my brother blow out my candles again but they pretty much just went through the motions for the rest of the party my aunt then took over coordinating everything from that point onwards the following year a couple of weeks before my birthday my parents sat me down and told me they were still gonna get me some gifts and a small cake but my birthday party was effectively cancelled to avoid my brother having another meltdown. I told them I could not believe they were doing this to me and they just seemed to shrug it off without a care. So, at school over the next week, I told my friends, my teachers and even my school counsellor. All of them were appalled by my parents' lack of consideration and empathy. The vice principal even found out and consoled me and all of this got back to my parents 
through social media. My parents ended up grounding and gaslighting me for telling so many people, but that didn't stop me from still telling everyone at school that I was grounded just for being upset that my birthday was cancelled for no good reason. Now, I guess that made it a lot worse because several of my parents' own friends, along with parents of other kids in my school, called them up or sent them Facebook messages basically saying, what the heck is wrong with you? Suddenly, I was ungrounded. I didn't get an apology though. My dad just walked into my room with his arms crossed, told me my grounding was over early, and then walked out. That was it. I thought my party was still cancelled because nobody said anything about it. And my brother thought it hilarious and rubbed it in my face that I wasn't going to get to celebrate. But by the end of the two weeks, my parents held a surprise party for me at my favorite restaurants. They then started claiming it was their intent all along. I knew it wasn't. From what I'd seen, everyone was incredibly unhappy with them for what they did, and it showed with any interactions family members had with my parents. So they ended up doing the surprise party to try and save what little of their reputations they had left. I'm pretty sure they actually had to pay through their nose that day to just accommodate me. I got dinner with all my friends at my favorite restaurant that had a small arcade, and I even got the PS4 game system I'd been josing for at the time. I could tell that pretty much none of it was planned and bought last minute because my dad had a look about him that my aunt comically described as looking like a moth had flown out of his wallet. My brother, of course, made a huge fuss that I got a surprise party. But with so many of my friends and their parents there, my mum and dad finally put their feet down on my brother to stop his tantrum when he wanted to push my cake off the table. My brother ended up getting a time out for the first time since he was a toddler, and my mum had to stay with him to make sure he didn't do anything crazy. He did try several times to run to the cake or stack of presents. Who knows what he would have done were it not for the fact that at least one adult was always on guard. Even my dad stood guard to keep him away. My mum ended up having to remove my brother and herself from the party entirely and took my little brother to a McDonald's nearby so he could have fun in their play area. I heard later she spent at least an hour trying to get him to come out of the play place tube structure and he only did so because he had to use the bathroom, then tried to run right back in again. My parents never tried to cancel my birthday again while I still lived with them, though they never again tried as hard or spent as much. For the remaining four years I was under their roof, my birthday parties consisted of a local pizza parlor, a cake without my name even written on it, and never again anything as expensive as a new gaming system. I don't mean to sound spoiled, but I was a bit disappointed I never got a cake with my name on it again. My aunt called my parents out on that each year, and each year they claimed they forgot to get the cake decorated. I'm pretty sure that the reason my name was never written on another cake was because my brother always refused to eat pieces of cake that had writing of someone else's name on it at any party, and they couldn't put his name on any of my cakes or it would have looked very bad for them. But the fact that I still got a day that was just about me at all and not my brother was fantastic in my book, especially because just about everything else revolved around him. During each of my remaining birthday parties while still living at home, my brother made a fuss and my mum took him somewhere else to calm him down. I was still required to share my PS4 with my brother, but it was mine and I took it with me when I moved out at 18. Now, little brother didn't like that and had a huge fit till my parents went out and bought another PS4 for him 
These guys are such enablers. What? When I moved out, they finally had to deal with how they'd raised my brother so spoilt because I wasn't there to help them with him anymore. On his recent 14th birthday, he went mental at our parents for not getting him a PS5. He's now currently grounded for I don't know how long after causing hundreds or maybe even thousands in collateral damage during that rampage. He picked up a chair and just started destroying anything that was in front of him with it. My parents just looked mentally checked out when I saw them last. My aunt has also told me they confided in her that they wish they could send my brother to military or boarding school in the future because they can't handle the monster they created anymore. But there's no way they can afford that. I'd be lying if I said I didn't find it ironically funny. Yeah, as I said whilst I was reading that, your parents are by far the biggest enablers I've ever seen. That is insane. Look, fair enough. The kid's autistic and he needs special treatment. I understand that wholeheartedly. Trust me, I do, but not to this level. Come on, not to the extent that one of your children can't even have their own birthday because of another one. That is mental. Listen, there's special treatment because your child has a mental disability and then they're spoiling him rotten. I think the fact that your parents are now regretting how they brought him up and are wanting to send him to a military school shows exactly where they lie. Right then, moving on to number seven now and we're getting into the juicy stuff. Some of my personal favorite stories are the nuclear revenge stories where things just go completely mental. Strap in for this next one because this is 20 minutes of pure carnage i found out my sister has been screwing my boyfriend behind my back i get even i never ever thought i'd be telling this story on reddit of all freaking places but since i've been seeing everyone share their revenge stories i got a little inspired so i thought i'd share mine little backstory first i was born into a broken family my father was a drug addict my mother on the other hand was the kindest strongest woman i know Fortunately, they separated just after the birth of my younger sister, who was only younger than me by a year. I took after my mother. My sister, though, apart from my mother's looks, she got everything else from dad. Now, the thing is, my father was a horrible freaking person, even before he became a drug addict. He was an arrogant, selfish, insufferable idiot. And not only that, he also cheated on my mother multiple times while she was pregnant with me and my sister, and he also physically abused her. He was so horrible to the point that when he left, my mother said that it was the happiest day of her life. She continued raising us all by herself while my dad went to God knows where. And you know what? I've never even missed him. 18 years later, and me and my sister are all grown up. And the thing is, we've never really been that close. We fought a lot when we were younger, but it was all usual sibling fights. As we grew, we fought less and less, and we were able to coexist like all siblings do. And though I didn't express it all the time, I did love her. But here is where it all goes to pot. In my senior year of high school, I started dating one of my classmates. He just transferred during that year and said that he liked me immediately and asked me to go out with him if I was interested. I give the guy a chance. It goes extremely well. And just two months later, we were officially dating. He was sweet. He'd treat me to lunch, take me to places and was just a great boyfriend overall. We continued to date through our first year and second year of college and he comes over to our house pretty frequently. And my mum even lets him stay the nights. It came to the point that he'd come over even when I wasn't there and I thought nothing of it. I was even glad that he felt so comfortable there. Until one day, just a month before our anniversary, I texted him that I'd be home later than usual because I still had something to do in school. I was already in my third year and I was busier than ever before. Since we usually go home together, he asked me what time do I think I'll be home. And I said, probably after dinner, so he can pick me up then. 
He says, okay. Fortunately though, I managed to finish earlier than I thought. And instead of texting him to pick me up, I decided to surprise him by going to his house since it's been a while since we spent time together and I missed him. When I got there, his sister, whom I was very close with, was visibly confused and immediately asked me what I was doing there. I told her that I was there to see her brother and she becomes even more confused, saying, He told me he was going to your house to see you though. He left hours ago. This time, I'm the one who's confused. So I quickly turn around and went home. Now, thankfully, our houses are only 15 minutes apart, so I got there quickly. The next 20 minutes were like hell. I come home to find his bike outside. The house was dark and I tried my bestest to go inside as quietly as I could. By the time I got upstairs, I hear it moans female and male the male one sounding particularly like my boyfriend tears immediately flood my eyes i didn't even need to see to know it was him my boyfriend of almost three years screwing my sister my feet suddenly had a mind of their own and i yanked the door open i was seething at this point this dog was riding him like a mechanical bull i stood there as my now ex pushes her off of him shocked as he puts his clothes back on in light speed and starts spewing excuses i wasn't listening at all i was sobbing so much i couldn't breathe the butthole follows me all the way downstairs and i yell at him that if he doesn't leave that instant i tell his entire family he leaves and i was left with my sister I couldn't even look at her. I stayed downstairs, calming myself down until my mum came home from work. She immediately notices that something is wrong, but I don't tell her yet. Dinner starts and I felt like crying again. And you know what's even worse? When my sister came down and sat just across from me, I saw no hint of remorse or guilt on her face. Absolutely none. I felt sick. I wanted to vomit. And I swear that at some point during dinner, the evil dog even smirked. A week goes by and I don't say anything. I was so hurt. My ex wasn't saying anything too. No phone calls, texts, nothing. And neither did my sister. Not a single freaking sorry. I felt so defeated. I was crying multiple times a day and I couldn't even focus in school. One day I finally snap and I tell my mother everything. She was extremely disappointed. She scolds my sister, but even she didn't really seem to care. And then suddenly I remembered. My ex had told me his passwords. He told me early in our relationship and I never bothered to open because I was never the type to go through my SO's messages. I trusted the guy and this is what I get. Anyway, I managed to open his messenger account and there I see it. Hundreds of messages between him and my sister. I felt weak in the knees. It had been going on for almost four months. I took screenshots. It turns out they'd been going out while I was still at school. All three of us were from different schools. My sister couldn't get into mine because her grades were too low and so were my boyfriends. My pain quickly turned into anger and I wanted nothing more than to make them both pay. I couldn't stomach the sight of my sister. The fact that she'd go behind my back like that over some guy made me freaking sick. We were supposed to always be there for each other. After a month, I asked my mother if I could move out and live with my aunt for a while because I just couldn't take it anymore. She was sad, but she understood. I felt so sorry for her. She held my sister accountable for what she did, but at the end of the day, it was still her other daughter, so she couldn't completely turn her back on her. I didn't want to give her the burden of having to choose, so I did instead. So I move out and live with my aunt and I promise to keep in touch. The next six months were basically me putting my stuff back together. I became a working student and did some freelance work to earn some money. 
And as I started to earn more, I dropped out of school completely and became a full-time freelancer. As the months went by, I'd earn more and more and I had more than enough money to spend for myself. And from then on, I started to send money to my mum monthly. One day, I got curious and decided to check on my sister and ex. When I unblocked them, I regretted it instantly. Those buttholes were still together and my sister was even flaunting their relationship on Instagram. Suddenly, it was as if no time had passed by at all and I was angry yet again. I scrolled through more pictures and it was obvious that my sister was completely in love with him. Then I acted on anger. I sent the screenshots I took from before and sent them to our cousins, telling them everything. They all ended up hating her. And then I sent it to my ex's sister and also told her everything. She punched him, told their parents, and a day later, I received a text from them apologizing on behalf of their son. It made me feel slightly better. A week later, my mum asked me to come home to spend the weekend. I decided to say yes this time. I stopped by a mall on the way to get a gift for her and guess who I see? My ex-boyfriend with a girl who wasn't my sister holding hands. I laugh hard. The urge to take out my phone and take a picture and send it to my sister was so strong, but I stopped myself. It wouldn't be painful enough. So I hide where he can't see me and I follow them. After about an hour, she goes to the bathroom. I follow her in there. I approach her when she comes out of the cubicle and I say, is the guy you're with your boyfriend? She looks a little bit scared and confused, but answers yes, nonetheless. I quickly tell her that the same guy is currently dating my sister and even showed her some pictures. The girl was completely horrified. She said she had no idea that he was seeing someone else and I fought the urge to laugh. I tell her to get rid of him quickly and I'll tell her everything she needed to know. But I also asked her not to dump him just yet. So she makes up some excuse about an emergency at home and they go their separate ways for the day. We meet up at a coffee shop close to the mall afterwards and there I spilt everything, including all the details about the cheating. When I'd finished, she looked so mad, almost as if it had happened to her and then she goes on to reveal that a longtime boyfriend of hers actually cheated on her as well. We talked some more. And as time passed by, I came to discover that the girl was actually really sweet. And I felt sorry that she became a victim of my ex too. She asked me if I was going to get revenge. And I said yes, but I needed her help. I also told her she could say no if she didn't want to. But she said she wanted to help. So I told her my plan and she was all for it. I came home that night excited. My mum seemed pleased. And my sister looked a little angry. I didn't give an F though, since I had the knowledge that my ex-boyfriend, the guy she destroyed our relationship for, was on his way to destroy her. That girl and I talked for the next three weeks that I was there, and she would send me screenshots of her and my ex's convo and also pics of them together. We continued to talk even after I came back to my aunt's house, and exactly two months after we met, the plan was finally in action. It was a week before my ex and my sister's anniversary. Yes, they had an anniversary and I was about to give her the greatest gift. By that time, my ex had confessed to the other girl about his relationship with my sister, but she told him it was okay and they could still be together because she didn't care. Little did he know, of course, her and I were basically best friends at this point and had come up with a master plan to ruin his life. I come home again and spent the week there leading up to the anniversary the longest week of my life. The day finally comes, and after my sister leaves to go to his house, I wait a few hours. Then I FaceTime his sister to ask if the two buttholes were home. She says yes, 
and then I send it. Dozens of pictures of my ex with the other girl and screenshots of their conversations. One where he was telling her how much he loves her and how he's planning to leave my sister for her soon. There was one where he even expressed how annoying he found my sister and that he sometimes wants to strangle her. A whole bunch of other screenshots where he insults her, calls her stupid, desperate and many more things. He also said that she was awful in bed and was way too noisy and that he'd barely touched her the past few days. Ouch. But it wasn't enough for me. The final touch was a three minute long video of my friend and my ex having sex. Yes, she gave me her full consent to send it. She was on top exactly how I found my sister and ex before and she was riding him to oblivion. But I cropped it so her face wasn't shown, but my ex's was in full view. It was hilarious. The guy was enjoying it so much and I know my sister would probably have a seizure once she watched it. And then I wait. I was still on FaceTime with a sister and after a while, I hear it. Screaming, objects being thrown, more screaming. His sister then comes upstairs to check on them and I hear everything. My sister was sobbing and what's even more screwed up is that my ex didn't even try to deny any of it and asked her to just leave. Her sister and I continue our FaceTime talking some more and she tells me how she's never actually liked my sister and neither have their parents. They said they'd ignore her whenever she'd come by the house. She would even ask her about me sometimes just to annoy her. After about an hour, my sister finally comes home and I sat there grinning like a devil as she steps into the living room, face puffy from crying. We make eye contact and I smirked to her and said, you deserve it before going upstairs. I don't speak to her again and for days she refused to even leave her room. The satisfaction I felt was through the roof and I even told my mum that I could move back in now. But it didn't end there because my ex had gotten my sister pregnant. A huge part of me wasn't shocked, but my mum of course was disappointed. We had to tell the rest of our family and they were all disappointed with her as well. Before she gave birth, my sister told my mum she was going to move in with my ex's family since they have to take care of their baby and my mum refused to let him step foot in our house again. But since our houses were really close to each other, she agreed. It was pathetic. It was obvious that she still wanted to be with him even after everything he did, but hey, it wasn't my problem anymore. But according to my ex's sister though, her parents weren't too happy about the whole thing. And although my ex said he would take responsibility of his child, he did not want anything to do with my sister anymore. Freaking butthole. So I continued to live my life, working, going out and focusing on becoming even better. It didn't take long for me to finally be happy again and all the pain and betrayal felt like a distant memory. I reconnected with my old friends and even started dating again. I also kept in touch with that girl who helped me with my revenge. She of course had dumped my ex, broke up with him just the day after it all went down. And we're genuinely good friends now and meet when we can. I don't keep in touch with my sister at all though. But according to my ex's sister, she's absolutely miserable because she had to drop out of school and my ex barely spoke to her and would always be gone, sometimes for days, and even brought home girls on multiple occasions, having sex with them in the same house that my pregnant sister was in. Oh, wow. Oh, and to top it all off, he also wasn't there when she gave birth. What a man, guys. Honestly, I didn't feel sorry for her at all, since she chose to stay with him. But I did feel sorry for the kid for having those two buttholes as his parents. They'd go to our house at least three times a week to see my mum, and my sister would completely ignore my existence. 
guess what? That dog still hasn't apologized. I didn't really care at that point, so I just ignored it. But one time, I kindly offered to buy her baby some clothes. And she fixed me with the nastiest look before saying, We don't need your freaking money. I was appalled and then I was angry again. Alright then, if that's how she wanted to play. Now funnily enough, I run into my ex at a bar just a couple of days later. He looks freaking terrible and I questioned what I even saw in him. He sees me and then actually looks happy. I, on the other hand, no longer felt anything to him. Only disgust, of course. He tries to make conversation, telling me I looked great and even apologizes. I was shocked, but his apology didn't really mean anything to me anymore. Later that night, I received a bunch of messages from him. He was apologizing again and then went on to say how much he regrets cheating on me before begging for another chance and swears that this time things would be different and that he was gonna change for me. I laughed so hard I fell off my bed. The ocean would dry up before I even think about taking his butt back. But since my sister had angered me once again and I was feeling a little petty, I sent her the screenshots of those messages with the caption, this your baby daddy? I knew that she was still in love with him, even after everything. And I knew that it would hurt her to see how he's willing to change for me, but not for her, the mother of his dang child. He barely even gave her money for the kid. It was only his parents and my mum who supported her financially. My sister blocked me. LMFAO. And no, I didn't ever take my ex back. Last I heard, he actually started using drugs. So, fast forward to now. I continue to thrive while she continues to be miserable. We recently had a family reunion and at one point she said to our relatives that she's having a hard time and one of her cousins looks at her dead in the eye and says, well, maybe if you hadn't screwed your sister's boyfriend, you wouldn't be in this position. She was absolutely dumbfounded. Tears in her eyes, and I almost choked on my wine trying to stop laughing. I guess she probably didn't think they knew. Well, now she does, and they all didn't bother to hide how much they despised her. She had no one on her side and was considered the disappointment of the family but she's only got herself to blame. By the way, if anyone gets confused why we still lived with our parents during college, I am Filipina and this happened in the Philippines. Here, we don't move out until we have kids and sometimes not even then. And look, if some people don't believe me, that's fine. Honestly, I understand. I actually wish it was fake, truly. This particular event has caused so much stress on our entire family, but I understand. About the girl who helped me, I was actually really shocked myself with how willing she was to participate. There definitely had been times where I was scared she would out me to my ex and sister, but I guess it all just reminded her of the situation with her old ex, and she also seemed mad about being made into a side chick. I didn't expect that she'd send the video, of course. I asked her so many times if she was absolutely sure. My ex was a horrible person, but he was attractive, and he was good in bed as much as I hate to admit. She basically used him for sex, and I don't find anything wrong with that. He deserved it. And to be honest, I would have done the same if it was the other way around. I get why it might seem made up, but I've literally witnessed much crazier stuff happen. I had a friend who got sent a video of her then boyfriend and another girl having sex as well. The girl actually sent it because she wanted the boyfriend to herself. It happens more frequently than one might think. Some females can be messy as anything these days. But again, I get why it might not seem believable. Ultimately, believe what you want. It's not like it would affect any of us negatively. What's done is done. Have a good day. Now, guys, where to even begin with this story? Like, I'm, I'm absolutely dumbfounded. Uh, I cannot believe what I've just read. That 
was amazing. And I get what OP's saying. Yeah, maybe it does sound unbelievable, but ultimately who cares? There's no real reason to lie. It's just a little subreddit on the internet. And uh, from the comments, it does seem very likely that this did happen. I know it sounds crazy, but wow, she's answering the comments in some mental detail. I'm not gonna go into it, but this story is almost definitely true, I'd say. I mean, listen, if you're watching on YouTube, get in the comments, let me know what you think. Does this story even need to be true? Does it really matter? I was thoroughly entertained throughout. Wow, like, I don't even know what you call this. It's more than a love triangle. It's like a love pentagon. Unbelievable. It's just crazy that your sister got pregnant as well in all of this and didn't even realize that other members of the family knew about it. And oh, the video as well. Like, imagine receiving that video. <laughs> Oh, it just begs belief. It really does. I mean, look, she was the one who obviously brought this upon herself, but I actually do feel kind of bad. 5% of me feels bad for her because, yeah, look, it's probably one of the worst things you can do. But now she's got a kid and everyone hates her. Like, oh, it's not the best situation to be in for the rest of your life. Look, I get it. You're all saying, you're all shouting at me. She deserves it. I agree with you. But wow, think of the pain and misery that, she, well, she's caused that onto herself, of course, but just think of the pain and misery. It's a lot. Fantastic revenge, I gotta say. Love that you got another side chick involved. So good. So good. And yeah, this guy obviously deserved it. Just complete and utter bell. Now moving on to number six. Now the reason why this one makes the list at such a high spot is because it's a mix of my two favorite subreddits of the past year, Entitled Parents and Nuclear Revenge. They come together in this story to make this absolute banger and it involves Alexa doing Alexa things. It's very fun. Here we go. Alexa, play bit ain't sh by Dr. Dre. My crib midget has evolved into a mini human and my mini human is now in an adult male body, which is unfortunately still outfitted with a teenage brain. Don't worry though, he knows everything. I myself have a late 30s model body, but my teenage brain is coming along well. That said, my loving wife is still able to maintain her sanity with two and a half boys and half male adults in the house. However, our house was too small and we needed more legroom. We decided to move on up. The new house is everything we wanted. There's ample room for the growing family. The boys would conquer the upstairs and even have their own bathroom to grow science experiments. They occasionally fail to brush their teeth, but you can most certainly count on them to pee in or on everything except the toilets. Cake, my 11-year-old mini-human, shares my obsessive-compulsive disorder, OCD, and keeps his room in working order. Kelly, my 15-year-old man-child genius, well, just don't touch that sock under his bed. Typical boy stuff, I suppose. My wife and I now had a backyard. We had a two-car garage to store her Christmas and Halloween decorations. The neighborhood is gorgeous and I can literally walk to the clubhouse and play a round of golf. The cul-de-sac we live on is dominated by currently serving or retired military families. Everyone was extremely welcoming at the homeowners association and the neighbors were all friendly. Well, at least for the moment. Now I've read about neighbor horror stories. I've seen them on television. I never in a million years thought I would live next to them. I am a gunfighter by trade, but believe it or not, I don't like war. I like my job, but I don't enjoy the carnage of war. I'm a realist though. I would totally cast my ballot for world peace, but I know it only takes one butthole to ruin it for everyone. My immediate neighbors became those buttholes. Enter the entitled parents, Kevin and Karen. They seemed nice at first. They were both really helpful, especially Kevin. Kevin had served in the Air Force and Karen was a stay-at-home mother. They enlightened me regarding the neighborhood, the quality of the area's schools, and told me the tips and tricks to avoid any hassle with the HOA. Freaking great. 
right? Enter coronavirus, COVID-19, zombie apocalypse. The onset of COVID-19 forced the school district to cancel the remainder of the school year so the boys didn't turn into zombies. However, the mass hysteria allowed my humanoids to become semi-professional Fortnite gamers who smelled like bullfunk and survived on soda and zebra cakes. They were quickly becoming chubby bunnies. I, being neighborly, informed Kevin and Karen that I would be in the market for a portable basketball hoop to combat childhood obesity and type 2 diabetes. Side note, I remember everything. It can be quite literally a matter of life or death in my occupation, so I remember things vividly. So I go around to Karen's house. Pleasantries, some other words. I'm thinking about getting a basketball hoop for the boys, I say. That's great, says Karen. It's so good to have young children in the neighborhood again. Yeah, but you know you can't put it in the street, right? Says Kevin. It's against HOA rules. Kevin is a rules guy. Ah, well aware. I'll be putting it on the back pad. That's great. If the ball ever goes over the fence, just tell them to come and get it. Awesome. It was a positive interaction and they had no issue. Onwards to Walmart. Now, my children are well behaved. They may act like idiots to each other and inside the house, but they're both kind and courteous to others. Despite Karen's instructions, I told them to knock on the door if the ball ever goes over the fence. So they did. First bounce over. I hear a knock, knock, knock at my door. It's Kevin. Hey, Kevin, how can I help you? Now, Kevin was annoyed. The ball went over the fence. Ah, did the boys knock and ask to get it? Yes, I just wanted to let you know. I spoke to my wife afterwards. That was odd, was all I could think. Is the guy going to let me know each time the ball goes over the fence? Maybe I should knock on his door. Hey, Kevin, just wanted to let you know that your car is parked in the driveway. This process quickly became a routine for Kevin. Kevin became a self-licking ice cream cone. Kevin came over six times over the course of about three months. My wife began keeping tallies because it was odd, but somewhat comical. Then stuff started to get real. Cake, my youngest child, came running in the house scared. He had tears in his eyes and was continually reiterating, I didn't do anything wrong. Nobody has accused me of being Wells' best dad, so I was wondering if he did in fact do something wrong. I forgo waterboarding Cake this time and ask what he's talking about. Cake stated, Karen is recording me. Wait, what? I look outside and sure as heck, I see Karen at the fence pointing her cell phone at me as if it was a loaded gun. I think, well, f*** my tits because I know my wife is going to lose her head. And she did. My wife is dainty, but she quickly turned into a 4'11 Muhammad Ali. Man, it took every freaking ounce of verbal reasoning for me to stop her from physically rearranging Karen's face meets. In addition to remembering things for work, I have to be well-read regarding the laws that govern me as an American and the local laws. I knew Karen's tactic to scare and record cake was immoral and unethical, but it was perfectly legal. This didn't sit well with my wife though. I reminded my wife that I have a doctorate in revenge from fucking university, FU, and this would not go unanswered. I can be a prick too, but I am a methodical prick. I did my best to erect makeshift barriers as a temporary solution. It wasn't perfect, but at least it showed that we were doing everything in our power to prevent balls from going over the fence. I also submitted plans for a permanent structure to the HOA. I was going to build a hanging herb garden wall, but it required approval before construction could start. The typical approval timeline was two weeks. But in addition to pooping on earth, COVID-19 also pooped on the approval process. 
I was in limbo now tragically another basketball fell victim to the senseless violence It was the ninth basketball in approximately eight months The kids were terrified to ask for it back and it wasn't even worth the hassle anymore That didn't stop kevin though ninth bounce over knock 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 Hey, is your husband home? My wife answered. Yes, but he's injured his back. How can I help you? Get him, please. I should mention that Kevin is outwardly sexist and is not a fan of coloreds. Kevin, my husband can't even walk right now. How can I help you? The basketball went over the fence again and it needs to stop. They need to stop playing basketball. He was now telling my wife how to parent. Good luck, buddy. I'm sorry the ball went over the fence. We continue to tell the children to be careful, but I'm not going to tell them they can't play basketball in their own yard. You'll tell your boys to stop playing. If the ball comes over the fence again, we are calling the cops. Tell your boys to stay out of our yard. They're trespassing. If you want to call the cops, then you go ahead and do it. However, the boys do not go in your yard at all anymore. I was losing my mind in the bedroom. I could hear the conversation, but I physically couldn't make the front door. I managed to slide off the bed though and began my army crawl to the door, but I was late. My wife was fuming and I was angry and pathetically crawling on the floor. Yay, back injuries. We had no intention of starting a war, but the boys were doing nothing wrong. We'd informed Kevin we were getting a hoop and they had zero issues with it. What the frick was going on? 10th bounce over. The cops are called. The OP city police department sent two cruisers. The children may be 11 and 15, but all be danged if they don't go down without a fight. One cruiser was not going to suffice. You better send two for my miscreants. I just sat in my garage man cave and watched it all play out. The cops go to the neighbor's house first. They're there for more than an hour and I can only assume we're being painted as horrible neighbors. Oh well. It's now pitch dark outside and I was startled by the time an officer approaches. Officer John Kimball comes up to me. Hello, sir? Holy frick, you scared the poop out of me. Sorry, hi. I'm Officer Kimball with OP City PD. How are you doing this evening? Typically, I'd say fine but I don't typically have a cop in my garage. Yeah, I understand. Look, the reason we're here is because the neighbors called out about trespassing. Now, they said nobody went in their yard today, but they want you to understand they will press charges next time. I was baffled. I did my best to maintain my composure, but I'm certain my face was screaming, are you freaking serious? Officer Kimball then pointed at his body camera and mouthed, recording and then gave me a thumbs up gesture i immediately seized the opportunity to f with him sorry it's in my nature hey officer do you want another beer you can't just drink one the officer starts laughing what i didn't have a beer with you i'm only kidding and look we're fully aware of their intent to press charges i'll be sure to do my best to prepare my boys for the rigors of prison life too i think jail will be good for them too maybe even toughen them up a bit okay sir i just want to ensure that you are aware ideally we'd like to see neighbors talk things like this out and not call the cops but unfortunately this is what it's come to i just want to ensure you are aware tracking you have a good evening sir thanks officer kimball then walked back to his patrol car he didn't leave though i assume he was just finishing mundane paperwork but he was there for at least 20 minutes then much to my surprise he returned and was a completely different officer hey man you back for that beer no sorry man i've got to play the game for the body cam 
I hear you. I occasionally wear one at work, but it only cuts back on my cussing. People still get shots. Oh, you are me? Yep. Cool. What do you do? Shoot first, shoot often, and have my story straight before the cops arrive. Oh, I figure as much after looking at all your stuff here. Look, I just wanted to talk to you without the camera. They really seem eager to press charges if your children are caught in their yard. Uh, yeah, my wife and I have concluded that. Oh, honestly, that lady is batshit crazy. My God, she demanded we arrest your children tonight. Wait, tonight? Yes, she said they trespassed before and she wanted to press charges now. Oh my, I'm sorry you've got to deal with this, brother. I really am. I can assure you that they've never gone in their yard without permission. Not once. They are terrified of her. She taunts them from the other side of the fence and records them. Seriously, they're scared of her. We now chalk the balls up as a loss. Oh, I believe you. There's something not right with that lady. She said the basketball wakes her son up and she will not hesitate to press charges. I told her we'd do our duty, but I don't think the magistrate will not view the situation kindly if we arrest two children for playing basketball. She clearly doesn't care though. Look, I just wanted to chat with you and without the body cam, I can't exactly call her crazy while it's running. The officer stayed for another hour. He was impressed with the collection of war memorabilia and the setup of my garage man cave. He was specifically intrigued with my Nintendo and working copy of Mike Tyson Punch-Out, among other classics. Yes, it's certainly freaking cool, but I'll be honest, it's got little to do with this story. But then, poop meets fan. My wife was mowing the grass, and I was currently doing stuff I never thought would be a priority of mine. Planting a new flower bed. Kevin and Karen had just returned from another Chick-fil-A run. Then, the unthinkable happened. Kevin exited the car and immediately approached me. And he was angry. Your boys went into my yard and got a ball today. They may think we didn't notice, but we did. You need to tell those boys to stay out of my yard or wait a freaking minute. I don't tolerate people who lie, cheat or steal. And you are lying right now. No, your boys were were at an all day soccer tournament in a different state. We've only been home for a couple of hours. They've not played any basketball since we've been home. You're lying. Well, we're sick of them getting balls from our yard without permission. Look, Kevin, I get it. However, you failed to recall when your wife said the boys were more than welcome to go in the yard. And I didn't even get to finish when I heard the screech of Karen. Now, look, I know my writing style is different, to say the least. I wish I was better. I do not have the words to accurately articulate the sound Karen made, but I'll do my best. It was like the Tyrannosaurus from Jurassic Park making love to a nuclear explosion during a tornado, but way freaking louder. The only thing that honestly makes us worse, and I freaking kid you not, is that she is a dead ringer for Carol Baskin from Tiger King. Not maybe a little, but more, holy frick, Carol Baskin is your neighbor type of resemblance. I never said that. I would never say that. She screamed at the top of her lungs mere inches from my face. I could smell the meow mix bellow from her scream factory. Meanwhile, Kevin pulled a frickin' Houdini and vanished. Kevin is a passive-aggressive butthole and direct confrontation scares him off. Yes, you did, I reply. I never said that. You're wrong. Uh, whatever, it's not even worth it. I'm so sick of your heathens going in my yard. Your heathens better not go in my yard again or I will have them arrested. I know the law. The I know the law statement really rubbed me wrong. I was about to open my mouth and respond, but my wife was on her like stink on poop, which led me to believe Karen is louder than a lawnmower. 
my wife was still seething about Karen recording the kids. They don't go in your yard and they're good children. They are not heathens. You better stop recording my children. Oh, shut up. You guys are white trash. Your children play in the street and run around the neighborhood like criminals. They broke my mulch too. Yes, she said they broke the mulch. Everybody knows you're trash. Just stupid white trash. I'm now thinking, oh, frick. And I'm semi-worried about Karen's future health as an active participant of living humans. I think my wife wanted to expire Karen's shelf life. Excuse me? My children never play in the streets. You're recording them. Oh, just shut up. You're stupid. You're just plain stupid. I can record them if I want. No wonder you don't have jobs. I have three advanced degrees. We're working from home. When you are, you're trashy and stupid. And both your children are stupid. I had enough. There was no point in arguing at all. Mark Twain stated, Never argue with an idiot. They'll drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. Now, Mark is correct, and Karen was trying to drag us down. Now, I don't know why, but I remember something that Kevin discussed with me when we first moved in. The freaking trees. They have a large maple tree, and they have a juniper tree. Kevin always told me they were in the process of contracting a company to crown and lift the maple tree. Furthermore, they were going to get the juniper tree off my fence. Now, guys, I know the law too. I can legally trim anything that goes over my property line. Now, all those pointless conversations were making sense. It was my time to join this exciting game called pettiness. Karen, I say, you have until Sunday to get your juniper off my fence. Oh, shut up. I told you we were going to get it handled this fall. It's June. You have until Sunday. Or what? I allow my wife to rejoin the conversation and I retreat to the garage. There, I grab my clippers and prune a good couple of inches off the juniper tree and lay them at her feet. Cue T-Rex frickin' a volcano voice. What the heck do you think you're doing? I told you it'll be done this fall. You have until Saturday now. You're dumb too. Just like your wife, aren't you? My intelligence may have been debatable, but I suppose it was time to repeat the process. I now return with about two feet of tree and place it at her feet. I am like Momo McF lady you have until friday i say you better not touch my tree again i'll call the cops and have you thrown in jail tonight you're so dumb aren't you now i see where your children get it from i know the law too karen i'll be back in a minute with some more of your juniper tree kevin 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 i again return to the tree i now have another two feet of juniper tree to place at her feet The more she screams, the smaller her tree becomes. It was an enjoyable game of cause and effect. Meanwhile, I see Kevin and Kevin Jr. running like Usain Bolt to secure their tree with toe straps. I hope you're happy. You're terrible people. You're both terrible parents and your children are heathens. I'm sick of ball bouncing and waking my son up too. You people need to move. You're just horrible parents. Horrible. Now screaming louder. Horrible parents. Guys, I had enough. I was at critical mass. I was going to explode. Karen continued to yell at my wife and I was zoning out. It was comical to watch Kevin and Kevin Jr. secure the tree to their porch in order to get it off the fence. Once complete, they quickly made their way back to the one-sided screaming party. Horrible parents. Look what they did with my poor tree. I think we should call the cops, dear. Horrible parents. I feel sorry for your kids and I'll just shut the frick up. I raked up 21 bags of leaves this past fall. 21. 
Funny, because we don't have a tree in our backyard. I pulled an additional bag's worth of leaves and branches from my gutter. Not from my tree either. It was from your tree. You know what, Kevin? I didn't complain. I didn't knock on your door and bitch. Yeah? And? We live in a suburbia. This stuff happens. They are kids. Kids freaking play outside. I don't want the ball in your yard either. You accuse them of being in your yard. You also accuse them of breaking mulch. How in the frick do you break mulch? Are you freaking serious? Really? Yes, really. Maybe you should learn how to parent your horrible children. At this point, I just freaking lost it. Wait for the surprise. You know what? That's the last time you question me about my parenting. My children are going to grow up and be productive members of our society. I find it comical that you have the audacity to question my parenting, seeing how you have a, wait for it, 49-year-old son living at your house for the past nine years. I assume it was because of the divorce and the bankruptcy he filed nine years ago. My children are waking your child up. Your child is a jobless 49-year-old man living at home with mum and dad. Is he working on a startup? Prestige worldwide, maybe? Boats and hoes? At this point, Karen was freaking baffled. How do you know any of that? Do you go snooping through our mail too? I'm good at what I do, and I found everything online. I know you are 69 and lost your license due to reckless endangerment charge in 2017. I know Kevin Jr. has five different moving violations and one DUI. I also know he was fired from his grounds crew job with the HOA. I know your husband is 72 and wears the same freaking shirt every day, so I can only assume that laundry is not a priority. I know your phone numbers and email accounts. I know a lot of stuff about you. Your child is 49 and lives at home. Maybe you should be more worried about your parenting and less about mine. We can have a civil relationship or we can have a war. Just remember this though. I'm going to freaking outlive you. They then stormed back into their house. They were not happy or impressed with my ability to figure stuff out. It wasn't over for me though. They fricked with the wrong F head. They were unaware of actions I took to keep the peace. For example, I never let the boys play basketball while they were outside eating dinner. I didn't let them play before nine or after seven. I tried, but they would blare country music and enjoy the gorgeous weather and eat a meal. I never complained about Garth Brooks on volume 100 while I watched the national news. I was teleworking and I took up as a part-time job now. I have wrestled since I was four years old. I was never much of a basketball guy. I am now though. Karen and Kevin had just sat down to enjoy their meal. I don't have to spy either. I can easily see them at my French doors as I watch the news. I patiently waited for the slot speed F heads to get their outside dinner setting perfectly situated. I could hear Tim McGraw playing when I opened my French doors. I like music too, so I figured I'd get my groove and play basketball. I say, Alexa, play ain't by Dr. Dre. Playing bleep and bleep by Dr. Dre. Alexa, volume 10. I have a new fondness for rap music and the game of basketball. This didn't stop Karen from recording my heathens on a daily basis. Look, I know what I was about to do was petty, but I had zero Fs to give at that point. I had one last FU, my final card to play, an Una reverse card of sorts. My neighbors across the streets and my family have bonded. He had a tree removed last week and I had an epiphany. How much would it cost to trim a large maple tree that overhangs my property? I'm not talking a couple of branches either, but more like one half of a more than 100 foot tree. 
I approached the tree removal company and offered them a sizable chunk of change and informed them of my delicate problem. They said, any friend of your neighbor is a friend of ours. Pro bono. They moved their large equipment over to my backyard and take their time getting ready. Guess who came running out of the house? No, not Brad Pitt. Frick, get your stuff together, reader. Karen and Kevin come running out. Hey, buddy, said Kevin. He went with buddy, not effed, not horrible parents. Buddy, what can I do for you? What are they doing here? Oh, them? I point at the guys. Yeah, uh, what are they doing here? Oh, well, they're just going to go and trim the tree. Just trim? Yep, just a little trim. You know that tree was a gift from our daughter, right? Says Karen. We don't want anything drastic. It's been with us for over 40 years now. Yeah, it was a gift from our daughter. How much are you thinking of trimming? Well, just so you're aware, you understand that I can legally trim anything that overhangs my property. I've got approval from my lawyer and the HOA to trim it. Now, frankly, I care as much about your tree as you do my children's privacy. I could freaking care less. Well, how much are you talking about trimming then? My property line is here, I point, and it extends up, I point up, to space. I'm going to trim every single branch that encroaches my property. So probably about a third of your tree. It's going to look really freaking funny when I'm done. Oh, well, Karen started to cry. It was a really, really ugly cry. There was no more rage left in her. She was defeated. Kevin was defeated as well. Now, this was not my desire. Don't get me wrong. I don't care if she cried, but it was not my intent. Or you can stop recording my freaking children. Karen looked like snot-nosed Carol Baskin. If I stop recording? Look, we don't have to like each other because I certainly don't freaking like you guys. My boys never go in your yard, ever. I don't even care if you keep the basketballs, but I'll be danged if you freaking record them ever again. If you do, I'll cut your tree down without warning. Now, Kevin is still angry, but says, thanks, bud. No worries, friend. I'm just trying to be neighborly. Just remember, I am dead serious about the tree, and I'm pretty certain I will outlive you. Now, look, guys, I know I'm a prick. I know we're both in the wrong at times. I draw the line, though, when a 69-year-old woman sees fit to torment my kids. We've only had one problem since these events occurred. Kevin's junior's car sat in the same spot for nine months. I've submitted over 20 home improvement requests to the HOA, and I'm now friends with the wonderful ladies that work there. They periodically inspect neighborhoods and notice the registration on Junior's vehicle was two years outdated, and they had it towed. Karen accused me of having it towed. We had another colorful conversation, but it ended there. Kevin Jr. is still jobless to this day. I assume he's managed to erect a bunk bed in his childhood bedroom. He has so much more room for activities. Just make sure you don't touch his drum sets. And there we go. That is the end of that absolute beaut of a story. I've got to say, first of all, I don't know why OP thinks his writing is bad. It's phenomenal. I loved reading that. It was so easy to read. It flows so well. The story was great. The twist at the end as well. A 49-year-old kid still living at home. And that's the person that you're complaining about. Oh, amazing. Loved every second. Great story. Hope you guys enjoyed it too. 
You know, personally, I've always thought about this, right? What if you buy a house and it just turns out, unluckily, that your neighbors are just horrific people? Like in this story, there's nothing you can do. You own your house, they own their house. You've just got to live with each other. It must be incredibly tiring to have to go through an entire ordeal like this and deal with people like Karen, Kevin, and their son, I guess. But wow, the way you guys went about it, amazing. OP, I love you. I love your wife. I love your kids even. Uh, not in a weird way, but they seem like good guys. You know, very polite, respectful, good at basketball as well future in the nba perhaps but yeah in general all i can say is that every word of this was just brilliant thoroughly enjoyed reading it hope you guys did too now then number five our first entry on this top 10 from r slash am i the jerk this is probably the subreddit that has had the most growth in the past year not just on my channel but on the whole of the internet and reddit itself and this story is probably one of the reasons why am i the butthole for walking out over a chair now guys op has given us some trigger warnings before we get into this one disrespect anger issues and also importantly violence against chairs okay hear me out for as long as i can remember in my family almost any time i got up from my seat someone would take it to either be funny or to claim it as if no one was using it and as a teenager it literally got to the point that i bought my own folding chair so i could pick it up and carry it with me if i left it where it was somebody would take it then they'd get mad when i wanted it back for example on a holiday last year i got up from my chair for a moment to help with something and i came back to find a kid in it and then the family berated me for wanting the child to move but i tell them that when a man owns and brings his own chair they expect to be able to use it i own a very nice folding chair that's comfortable and easily portable and i pretty much bring it to any family events because people are always scrambling for chairs. Well, the other day, I went to a birthday party for my nephew. Now, like always, I brought my own chair, but at some point, I had to use the bathroom. When I came back, my chair was gone, and everyone was acting like they didn't know where it was. I said they had one minute to return it, or I was leaving. They laughed at first, but then realized I was serious as I started going for the door. Everybody told me to just calm down, and it was just a joke. I said I don't care if they think I'm a stick in the mud. I wouldn't be bringing my own chair all the time if other people weren't always taking my seat when I get up. I don't think it's funny. I never did. My brother-in-law then pulled the chair out of where he'd hidden it, and when I got it back, one of the legs was bent. I said it was not like this before, and how could he possibly have done this to a metal chair? He said he could fix it and try to unbend it, but he only made it worse. The chair is pretty much unusable now because the leg is warped and I don't want to risk putting weight on it. I told my brother-in-law he owes me $50 for the chair because that's what I paid for it new two years ago. He got mad and kept saying it was just a stupid chair. I said it was my stupid chair and this wouldn't have happened if he wasn't so immature that he and everyone else had to mess with me for years about where I sit. Then I took my now messed up chair and walked out. My family has been blowing my phone up saying that it's just a chair and to let it go, but I still want my brother to pay me back for it. So, am I the butthole? Okay guys, if you're watching on YouTube, pause the video right now, get down in the comments and let me know, do you think OP is in the wrong or the right here? If you're not, don't worry, because this story has an update. Last night, I sent a mass text out to my family that I would not be going to any family function, no matter how important it is, until they make this right by promising not to screw with me anymore and repay me for the chair. They've mostly gone quiet now, but I can wait. I've got all the time in the world for them to realize I'm serious. Okay, that was the update. And then just a few days ago, a new post appeared from OP. 
This is incredible. The title of this is I walked out over a chair and my family tore itself apart. Now, this was actually posted to r slash entitled people. I wasn't going to come back here again. To be honest, I'd completely forgotten I made this account. I only got back in because I'd written down the password and left it in my desk. I was listening to Reddit videos on YouTube a couple of weeks ago when I suddenly heard my old Am I the Butthole post. So I thought I'd give an update. Well, things escalated a lot after I made that post because I linked it to my parents and other family members after a little while. They were furious with me at first. Some even mocked me saying things like, Oh, watch what you say or do around OP. He might just post about it on Reddit. But when they actually read the comments on my post that I had made, they became mortified. To briefly summarize the comments, as you guys can probably imagine, they were all saying that OP was totally in the right and that his family were a bunch of losers. My brother-in-law did agree to pay for a new chair and gave me the money I asked for. I bought a better folding chair than my last one and I resumed going to family functions. But whenever I was there, there was this air about some of the family members. They looked at me like I'd sucked all the fun out of the room. My parents had stopped thinking the chair thing was funny and even scolded a kid for taking my seat when I got up to use the bathroom. The only problem is that this kid was my nephew and he started crying when they made him get up. My brother-in-law came to the boy's rescue and my nephew ended up blurting out that his daddy told him he could do it. When I was out of the bathroom, there was a big fight about it going on. Several family members, including my sister and brother-in-law, were all yelling that it was just a dang chair and I shouldn't be so butthurt about it. My parents demanded to know why they were so butthurt about not being allowed to screw with me anymore. Like, what was their motivation after doing it for so long? It made no sense and it wasn't funny anymore. And that's when I intervened. I told them that none of this would have ever happened if they hadn't been so intent on messing with me when there really was no point to it. And I only started bringing my own chair because I could never find a stable place to sit. And if they still thought they were in the right about the situation, then they were just bullies, plain and simple. And what kind of example is that to be setting for their son? My brother-in-law raged, grabbed my new chair, and hurled it through the living room bay window. There was a bit of a pause before he realized what he'd just done. Then he took off in his car and left my sister and nephew there. My parents got my sister to call him, and over the phone, they threatened to go to the police if he didn't pay for the damages. My brother-in-law yelled a few f-bombs until my sister took the phone back and she said that he can either make things right or she'll divorce him well that did the trick because he came back looking like a kicked puppy with his head hanging low he apologized to me and my parents without even looking at us said he'd pay for the new bay window and he left again my sister said he drank himself to sleep that night my new chair was just fine it took being hurled through a bay window like a champ there was hardly a scratch on it my brother hired a window company to come and replace the window and they had to measure and order a new one before it could be installed until then the window had to be covered with some plywood it took some time but they got the new bay window and it's better than the old one though i imagine that it was extra expensive because it's a bay window now the family was still divided about the entire situation for a while mainly my brother-in-law's parents my uncle and a couple of cousins they blamed me and called me obnoxious over insisting on bringing my own chair and refusing to let anyone else use it so i compromised i said that if i had a good designated seat that no one would try to take away i'll leave my chair in my car it took two more family barbecues before they finally agreed to this since then i've left the chair in my car unless there really isn't enough seating 
and that's only happened once. The problem is though, that even though they've stopped screwing with me, they were still screwing with each other until things went too far. They still like to take each other's seats, but I guess others were following my example because they also put their foot down and demanded it stop. It's been going on for decades and they've had enough. My brother-in-law stayed out of the fight entirely and hasn't caused any more trouble, but for several family functions, a number of people now didn't bother to show up. My mother was broken up about it because she loves hosting parties. It took months, but everything more or less normalized again. But without the chair thing going on, some have resorted to other stupid pranks. Like a little device you hook to a chair that makes farts. They didn't do this to my seat, but did it to a cousin. And said cousin got really petty at the next party and let out real farts. He said he ate a whole pack of fiber bars and had eggs for breakfast. And it was dang nasty. Other pranks included hiding eating utensils, a stink bomb, hiding some sort of monster thing in the toilet, cellophane in a doorway, ripping paper when somebody bends over, messing with drinks, hiding shoes, copying outfits, a container of foam packing peanuts above a doorway, and finally, the one that really infuriated my aunt and uncle when a party was held at their house, a glitter bomb. They got their carpet professionally cleaned afterwards and billed the person who made the glitter bomb for it. So now pranks are just over. They don't want any more, and I'm fine with that. But the last few family functions have been a bit dull. I think people were so used to how things were that now they're trying to find other ways to amuse themselves that don't involve cell phones. Okay, and there we go. That is the end of that one. Uh, An interesting post, that is for sure. Now, I have to admit that OP is definitely not the butthole here, right? They're not in the wrong. Yeah, maybe it's a little bit, I don't know, weird to bring your own chair to family functions, but he's been pushed to these lengths and I kind of understand it. Don't get me wrong, it's a bit odd to bring your own chair to someone else's house, but I kind of get it. I wouldn't do it myself, it is a bit weird, but I get it. The main thing, and maybe the sad thing, is that your family OP kind of sound like there's nothing going on without these pranks, which is sad. Were the pranks really the thing that was holding this entire family together? I ask. I think they just might have been. And for those to have ended because of OP, does that in fact make him the butthole after all? I'll leave that up to you to decide, guys. Now then, moving on to number four. And I know that earlier in this episode, I said that maybe I selected the saddest story of the past year. Well, maybe that is true, but maybe it's this one. Entitled parents alone are bad, but when they continue to be entitled after decades, that is when you know they're on another level. Here we go. My parents booted me out at 18 and left me homeless. 10 years later, and they lost everything to 2020 bankruptcy. So they broke into my home to squat while I was away. I'm a 30-something male, and my parents didn't really want kids. I was an only child and pretty much an accident of pregnancy from what my relatives had told me, as my parents claimed that they were going to be child-free when they married. My childhood was initially good, but I think after I started growing out of the cute and adorable phase, my parents were less inclined to spend time with me. They both worked and had their own businesses that they started together. That business was their life, and I was always second fiddle to it. Any other close members of family, like my grandparents, lived states away, and I barely knew anything about them until I was an adult. So I had no other family around my entire childhood. I was practically raised by TV and my school teachers. My own birthdays, by the time I became a teenager, were often spent without my parents as they'd just give me some money and tell me to go out and buy whatever I wanted. It was more or less the same with Christmas and sometimes even back to school shopping. We wouldn't have even had a Christmas tree after I turned 10 if it weren't for the fact that I convinced my parents to buy a fake one that I could build up and then take apart later every year. If I was to describe my parents, think of them as those people who always wear black, drink lots of wine, and look down their noses at people. And the last I saw of my parents, they still looked and acted the same way, although my father was always wearing a toupee now. 
When I turned 16, I asked my parents if I could work part-time for them at their business. And they just told me they had no open positions or anything like that. They may as well have just come right out and said they didn't want me there. After I turned 18, my parents told me that since I was an adult, they expected me to move out as soon as I was able. I was working part-time because I was still in high school and I didn't have anywhere near enough save for college. And not long after high school ended, my parents told me to pack up and move out. They got an official eviction notice that gave me 30 days and everything. They didn't even help me move. I had to get help from a friend's dad who owns a truck. I ended up renting a trashy apartment and working retail. I had no real life experience and no time for college. Then, after just a few months, I got fired because my manager legitimately had it out for me and wrote me up for the stupidest things. I don't even remember what they were anymore. But I wasn't the only one the manager treated that way. I called corporate about it and so did a few other people. Corporate looked into the manager and they were soon fired for various reasons. Not many of which I actually know since it was mostly kept quiet. But someone told me theft of cigarettes was a part of it and the manager was a chain smoker. However, corporate refused to rehire me and only said that they'd change the record to say I was laid off instead of terminated so my resume would still be clean. I guess they considered me damaged goods or something. So I ended up going broke pretty fast because I was terrible at managing my own money and I couldn't find steady employment. So I lost my apartments. I went back to my parents begging for help, but they refused to take me in. Not even for a little while to get back on my feet. I ended up homeless and living out of a tent in someone's backyard in winter. My friends had all moved to college, some in other states, and I was a broke kid taking whatever work I could to stay alive. My salvation came when one of the neighbors of my parents found out I was living out of a tent and offered to take me in for a little while so I wouldn't freeze. She helped me badger my parents into telling me how to get in touch with the other members of my estranged family. My parents did not want to say. My guess is out of fear of being judged for throwing their son out the way they did. But they coughed up the info and gave me a list of contact details and then told me not to bother them ever again. I called my grandparents from my father's side of the family and they were very surprised and happy to hear from me because they hadn't seen me since I was an infant and I'm their only grandchild. My grandparents, after finding out my situation, flew me over to live with them as soon as they could. They basically adopted me. My parents didn't even see me off at the airport despite being invited to. I've had zero contact with them for pretty much a decade. My grandparents said they despised my parents for treating me so poorly and legally disowned them by striking them from their wills. My parents, I'm told, were not happy to hear that, but also said it didn't really matter because they were plenty well off and didn't need anything from my grandparents. Wow, how wrong that statement turned out to be. After about a year of living with my grandparents, I was able to afford to start going to community college. I got an associate's degree, got a decent job thanks to a recommendation from my grandpa, and eventually my grandparents offered to sell me their house so they could retire to Arizona. My grandma wanted to live in a warmer climate as the cold winter was getting harder and harder on her health every year. I was sad to see them go, but I happily bought the house. They sold it to me for one third of its value, and I'll have it paid off in a few more years. My job has me going away on the road periodically, so I can end up away from home for weeks at a time. Not that I mind the travel, I've got no pets or a girlfriend or anything like that, I wouldn't have time for them right now. But in a few years, when I have some things in order, I'll make time. I don't want to stay a lonely bachelor forever. Then one day in late 2020, I came home after being away for over two weeks, only to find a large white van I didn't recognize in my driveway. I was getting ready to call the police when I noticed the van had the logo from my parents' business on the side of it, and I felt dread. Yes, my parents were there. They'd broken in somehow and were living out of my home. And they had the nerve to greet me like we were buddy-buddy the moment I walked in. I told them to get the heck out. And they refused because it was grandma and grandpa's house. 
I said it wasn't their house anymore. They sold it to me when they retired They'd have known that if they were in any way involved with my life But they threw me to the walls 10 years prior with no life experience We argued and they refused to leave My father told me it was his parents house first and that meant that he and my mother had the right to live there if they wanted I walked right into the bedroom locked the door and called the police when the cops showed up They were of no help My parents claimed to them that they'd already been there long enough to have residency, which was a complete lie But I had no cameras to prove they weren't there a month. My neighbors had no cameras either So it was my word against my parents over how long they'd really been there and they were claiming squatters rights They told police they had a verbal rental agreement with me and that I was trying to illegally evict them for no reason My mother even put on the waterworks when saying that the police told me it was a family dispute and to file eviction with the courts to get them out And this was in 2020 Getting to court for anything took longer because of the pandemic. Meanwhile, my parents are squatting in my house, rent-free, rubbing it in my face. From the information I got out of them, their business went bankrupt and they sold off almost everything they had to pay their debts. All they had left was the van and a few personal belongings. So they expected to live in my house, rent-free, for the foreseeable future. They were working too. Both of them soon got new jobs. My father a delivery driver, my mother a sales associate. They were making money, and the only things they contributed to was electricity and water utilities, which was basically just handing me a $100 bill every month and saying I should be grateful they were paying me anything. Anytime I tried to discuss proper rent with them, they just said I owed it to them to live rent-free because I took 18 years of their lives. And it's not like they were demanding the money back for that time. They then threatened to stop helping me with utilities altogether. I was so at my wit's end that I ended up calling my grandparents to explain the situation to them. They were very unhappy and spoke with my parents, but my parents still said they had the right to stay in my home and refused to budge. My grandpa told me he was sorry it had come to this and that if they hadn't sold me the house, my parents wouldn't have invaded. I told him not to worry. I'd already filed for a legal eviction and I'd get it soon enough. And my parents already knew that they were on borrowed time. I made sure to say that in earshot of them too. They responded with the silent treatments. My father was away most of the time driving a delivery vehicle six days a week, which was a job really not to his liking. And my mother basically tried to take over my house in her spare time. She demanded I let her rearrange my living room and even tried to force me to give her and my father the master bedroom because they were my parents and they deserve better, as she put it. I vetoed both of those things and said they don't deserve better and to stop trying to act like I owe them anything. I didn't ask to be born and it's a normal obligation for parents to raise their own children and all they were doing was trying to assert dominance to try and keep me from kicking them out. Finally, after four months and now into early 2021, I managed to take my parents to court over their squatting. We only needed to go to court because they fought the eviction and tried to gaslight me into rescinding it. They tried to use the fact it was formerly my grandparents' house and the fact they were giving me $100 a month as some sort of leverage of residency. But there was no real rental agreement and they were smart enough not to try and forge one as that would have been fraud. So the judge ordered that they needed to be out in a maximum of 30 days because they had zero claim to my house. After court, they confronted me and said they were disappointed in me for kicking out my own flesh and blood. I couldn't help but laugh and called them hypocrites because that's exactly what they did to me without a care in the world for my well-being. They had no love for me, so I have no love for them. I owed them nothing. They just tried to act like everything that was mine was theirs. But they had no right to call themselves my parents because they've never actually really acted like it. I called them a pair of snobby, lying narcissists to their faces and told them to get their affairs in order. Because they already know I won't hesitate to call police if they do not leave my house when the 30 days are up. My father looked enraged, but my mother stopped him from saying or doing anything by grabbing his shoulder and shaking her head. 
He sneered at me and walked away. They left, but not without a lot of tension. That final month was spent with them either guilting me to try and make me change my mind or completely ignoring me. I put up a calendar in the living room and checked off each day before they had to leave with a red marker. And the exact day they were to be out was marked with a big red circle. I still remember that final day. It was March 2nd. My parents waited until the exact day they had to leave my home for good before they finally left. Even when all their stuff was out of the house and they were sleeping on the floor in the guest room for a few days. Since they were so convinced they could make me let them stay, they didn't bother to try and look for an apartment until after the court eviction went through. And my mother spent weeks scrambling to find one. They had to get a tiny and trashy studio apartment in the next city over because it was the only thing they could find on such short notice. A lot like what I had to do when I was 18. Quite ironic. I drove my mother over to see it once and the apartment was terrible. The walls were baby bath green. The carpet looked like it was 20 years old. The only window just had a view of a brick wall outside. No dishwasher. The stove was the smallest one I've ever seen. And the toilet looked like it really needed to be replaced. The walls also did little to stop noise from neighbors. There were already two people loudly fighting in the adjacent apartment while we were there. My mother went out of her way to try and give me sad looks while dropping hints that I should be feeling guilty that I was reducing them to live in such a place. But I just acted obliviously to it all until she finally stopped. They signed the lease right away and moved what little stuff they had into the apartment over the weekend. They also ended up demanding the queen-size bed, dresser, and flat-screen TV from my guest room. I told them just to take the dang things because I no longer wanted them in the house after they spent five months sleeping in that room. They looked at me like I was treating them as though they were diseased and demanded nothing more. The moment they had to leave for good, I started changing the locks on all exterior doors. All their stuff was at the apartment and they spent their last night in my guest room. They watched me start ripping the old lock off the front door as they were getting into their van. They said nothing, I said nothing, but they just sat and watched me for a while until I had the new doorknob on. Then they finally left. I breathed a massive sigh of relief the second that van went down the road. I figured karma had finally come for them and they could live under a rock for all I cared, but nope. My grandparents heard from them recently. They'd called them to brag that they had a new business, similar to their old one, in the same state I'm living in now. And they're basically on track to be right back to where they used to be in life prior to the pandemic. Yes, making good money and looking down on others. I've already Googled their new business and it seems like it is doing well. They have many positive reviews and everything. I'm pretty freaking resentful, truth be told. They put me through being homeless, squatted for next to free at my house for months, then went right back to being the snobby, wine-drinking business people they used to be. If karma is real, it's taking too damn long. Oh, what a story that is. First of all, before we even get into what your parents have done over the course of your entire life, the primary thing you need to do right now is ensure that your house is completely locked. You know, like, get the cameras in, you've got new locks, that's good. Get like some big old security gates, invest in some Rottweilers. I don't know. Just make sure that your parents can never ever step foot in your house again without being attacked and murdered. Uh, That is what I would suggest. Second of all, your parents themselves. Such users and abusers. I'm sorry that you wasted 18 years of their life. It was their decision to have you. Are you joking? Uh, Can you imagine blaming a baby for just existing? It's It's a very, very strange form of logic, I would say that. The fact that, you know, they just used you for that long and didn't even give you anything... And then we're like, oh, now that we need something, um, yeah, any chance we can just live in your house for free? 
what you got so unlucky as well with the timing of the pandemic that is seriously unlucky but yeah good stuff well done for holding your own and i honestly hope you never see these guys again all right then now getting into our top three this is the moment you've all been waiting for this is when it starts to get interesting this is from r slash am i the jerk at number three and i've got to be honest it's by far the best story i read from that subreddit over the past 365 days i loved every second of this and it's also not often that you get a post from r slash am i the jerk that is this extensive this long this descriptive and this insane so here it is number three from r slash am i the jerk am i the butthole for helping my brother run away from his wedding i have two older brothers this is about the middle one our parents divorced when i was very young due to our mother's insane jealousy at first my dad was able to handle it but when she started making comments about me wanting to be like his wife he had enough she quickly rebounded with a guy with two kids and had shared custody for a while but when my dad got remarried she went crazy calling his new wife every horrible name and claiming he was cheating on her while they were married. I was always closer to my brothers and dad than my mum because she was always very mean to me. Long story short, my stepmom died in a bad car accident and my dad called her in the middle of the night letting her know he'd pick us up earlier so we could attend the funeral and she decided to take us on a fun trip to celebrate something. It was the happiest we've ever seen her and when we realised what happened and started crying, she told us only worthless people cry for whores needless to say things went nuclear and my dad asked for full custody with visitation for her he always left the line of communication open and paid for us to visit her when she moved away but it was still very bad and as soon as we turned 18 we started to lower contact with her last time we saw her was my high school graduation where she made a point of letting everyone who would hear that we were ungrateful kids and her boyfriend would call us bad names too i've been non-contact since then my brother sam started dating his ex three years ago she's heard all the stories and the reasons we are no contact but she believes we're just dramatic they had many issues due to her opinions but she eventually seemed to drop the you need to reconcile with your mother crusade during the wedding planning there was no indication of things going wrong or fishy but then we got to the church and lo and behold mum her boyfriend and his two kids were sitting at the front i immediately panicked and called my brothers sam thought maybe somehow she found out and wanted to crash so he called his then fiance to let her know of the potential drama but she told him it was fine since she invited them sam hung up and asked me to go and get him while my oldest brother dealt with things at the church we went home and barricaded ourselves there even when his ex her family friends etc came to try and make sense with him Mum's boyfriend even called and said he always knew we were worthless now that the dust has settled most of sam's friends are on his side and so is most of our family our dad's family Sam's fiance's parents already threatened to sue for the money they paid if he didn't marry her. But Sam says he'd rather just pay them back for their contribution than marry someone that betrayed him. My nuclear family 100% supports Sam, but the backlash has been huge. All right then, you might be thinking that's a very abrupt ending to that post. Um, and I agree, it is. But what if I were to tell you that this entire episode that you're listening to and watching right now is all about this same story? What I've just showed you is the very beginning of this. There is so much more to come. There are edits, updates. The entire story is just absolutely bamboozling. It is mental. It involves fake pregnancies, fake abortions, crazy family meetings, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Strap in, this entire story is mental. And here's the first edit so first off despite some people commenting about it no she has not apologized she even went so far as to text my oldest brother joe that she thought that inviting my mom would be a good wedding present from my brother to her since she values family 
Now my dad bought them a house as a wedding present, but only Sam is on the deed. She did have keys for when they moved there, but they just had the locks changed today and Joe and some cousins are taking everything Sam owns from her flat during this week. We aren't worried about being sued, but we'll consult a lawyer just in case. We also heard that mum and her family are still in town, but since we're all staying at our childhood home for a few days, we don't care. My dad is sad that Sam is heartbroken, but is trying to cheer him up along with my boyfriend and sister-in-law. I actually had to delete and deactivate my social media because I kept getting nasty comments and messages, but the more people learn the reason Sam ran away, the less it gets. I'm still sorry that she felt humiliated, but my brother comes first. I also asked Joe about the church aftermath after I went to get Sam and it was just as I expected it. He says he stood up in front of everybody and told them Sam wasn't coming and to please go home. And all of their gifts delivered to our side of the family will be given back ASAP. Sam's fiance was still outside the church when someone in her family informed her and she started screaming and crying and calling Sam nonstop. Mum tried to talk to Joe, but he didn't even look at her. And when she couldn't get a reaction out of him, she started crying loudly and lamenting how horrible we are to her. And some people started consoling her. This is her MO, but Joe and his wife didn't care. When they went out of the church, Sam's fiance was expecting them and demanding to see Sam, but Joe said no. Then she demanded to know what to do with the party. And he said, if she didn't want the venue, he would arrange for the food to be donated to the staff so it wouldn't go to waste. Everybody was screaming except Joe because he didn't want to give mum the satisfaction. Joe and his wife came home after stopping at the supermarket and some fast food joints. And we've been inside like we're kids again, plus two more members. We asked Sam if he wanted them to go, but he said he wanted them there. We'd all taken time off to spend family time after the wedding anyway, so it's not a problem at the moment. When his fiance, now ex, came to the gates, we knew she was not going to use the venue. So my sister-in-law called them with Sam's info, told them to take the food, and also sent them some tips for their trouble. It seems that we will get back all the alcohol that my dad paid for, so we'll have a very drunk end of the year. A couple of people commented asking why our dad ever married our mum. And the answer is he really loved her and believed that she was the nicest person ever. It turns out she wasn't, but she knew that nobody, except I guess her nasty new husband, would marry her unless she pretended to be nice. My dad considered staying with her until we were adults, but she kept getting worse. She used to get very nice and he thought she was changing and then she'd go back. As per Sam's ex, we have no doubt that she believes mum is a nice person that has ungrateful children because she's extremely charming. And for some people, it's funny to make fun of others as long as it's not directed at them, but it still doesn't excuse Sam's ex. The only person Sam gave an explanation to was his boss who was at the church, but he's very understanding and was pretty shocked about what mum had put us through since we're a fairly adjusted happy people. Our dad said that it was a shock for all of us and we can stay home as long as we need. Sam is moving home for the time being. I showed my family my original post on Reddit and they're moved by your niceness, but Sam wants you all to know that his ex wasn't showing any concerning behaviors and he truly believed that she understood his upbringing. He's agreed to talk to her and her parents today, but only if it's at our home and we are there to support him. So it's gonna be an interesting visit. Well then, that concludes the first post. Now that was posted last year, November the 1st. And um, you know, I know what you're thinking. I wanna know what happened in this meeting and don't worry, 
Just one day later on November the 2nd, OP posted the very first update. I was wondering why Sam accepted the meeting after not even talking to her, but it turns out she sent videos and photos of all his things on the floor to his best friend Tom and told him that Sam either talked to her or she would burn and destroy it all. Tom came to visit Sam, told him what happened, and they informed her they need access to the flat before anything happens. Tom, Joe, a couple of cousins, and my boyfriend went and took his clothes, electronics, and important paperwork. Sam said he didn't care about the rest and even made a little joke about them being the fastest moving crew he knew. The meeting was, for lack of a better word, a ridiculous event. She came with her parents and sisters, tried to talk to Sam alone, but when he didn't allow it, she just started talking. Not once did she apologize. She said it's not her fault that we don't understand the value of a real family and we were raised to hate mothers. That her only intention was for Sam to learn the value of a mother because she was scared he would take her children away from her because that is what he was taught to do. Sam didn't say anything until she threw the this family is like a cult and you are a terrible father looking at my dad as you may imagine this is a sore spot for all of us and we don't allow insults towards our dad under any circumstance sam just unloaded about how she was a hateful liar he was disgusted he ever touched even her hand he was grateful to the universe that i'm chronically early to everything he told her staying with a cheating husband as her mum does is nothing to be proud about He said she pretended to be nice just so he would marry her, unloaded all the minor things that he was willing to overlook because he truly did love her, or at least who he thought she was. He said he'd never forgive her for the hurt she caused his siblings, but he doesn't hate her because that would require him to spend energy thinking about her, and she doesn't get that. At the end, he said she had enough time to clear things, and since she has acted like a victim, he'll be the one to let everybody know why he didn't show. It was brutal but cathartic and necessary for Sam. Her parents said nothing but were very red. She was crying. Her sisters attempted to defend her and their parents' relationship and were kind of expecting my whole family to argue too, but we didn't. Then Sam told his ex's dad that he could sue if he wanted to, but if he did, Sam would expose all of his family's dirty laundry to the world and he doubts he wants that. Amazingly, the dad still argued that Sam could try and make amends and marry his ex because you're not getting any younger and all families fights, I've never rolled my eyes harder. The rest of the meeting was about logistics for the return of the wedding gifts already received, stopping the harassment from their family, the cancellation and refund of the honeymoon, the changing of the locks. Sam's ex just kept crying and trying to talk to Sam, but he was in business mode and didn't want anything from her. He only replied to her directly when she said she was keeping her engagement ring with nobody asked for it. They left without issues. Sorry, I've got to interrupt. Sam is handling this so well, what a G. When the booze was delivered, mum and her husband sneaked through the gate when we opened it. She said she just wanted to talk to her babies and my dad asked her to leave. She kept screaming that he raised us wrong and we just embarrassed her with our behavior. She couldn't believe we were such bad people and we should start making amends with her because clearly we lack maternal love. She got that right and this was the pathetic result. At that point, Joe went out and told her to leave since the police were on their way. She took that as an opportunity to cry since it's the first time in about a decade that he's talked to her and she tried to sweet talk him into going to grab dinner with her and her husband. But of course, Joe just told her to leave and the only news he ever wanted to hear related to her was the one about her funeral so he could go and celebrate. Hugh hysterical crying and screaming from the husband, demanding an apology and threatening to hit Joe. Dad and Joe went back inside and left them there until we saw they left and closed the gates. 
it's hard for some people to understand why we react like we do but the things i wrote about our mother are just like the tip of the iceberg dad wasn't exactly proud of what joe said but he understood he needed to let it out and he was speaking for all of us yeah maybe that makes us bad people but we truly don't want to see this woman ever again we're all gonna have some family therapy besides our individual ones sam doesn't want the house anymore but my dad says to take it slowly and the first step is to mend his hearts We've had horror movie marathons and some Disney classics sprinkled here and there. We also had a drama bingo thing going on of all the things that could possibly happen because I guess we are truly dramatic after all. We love each other and we're raised to treat people well, but we can be petty when pushed. I also feel better knowing she humiliated herself. And while I wouldn't wish to be left at the church to anybody, I would do it again because I love my brother more than I feel bad for her. We'll be going on a family trip eventually, but right now we will continue our staycation. Also to the person that said Joe is a hero, his siblings couldn't ask for a better brother and friend. We've read everything so far. Thank you for letting me vent, the awards, the PMs. I'm sorry if my English has not been up to standard. This family is Spanish by the way, guys. Joe and Sam's names are obviously fake too, but Daniela, go f yourself mental we've just had a uh, an ex-fiance name reveal i thought this post was going to be pretty anonymous the whole time i'm pretty sure that op has been using fake names the entire time but no as you'll see as these updates continue and continue uh, anonymity kind of goes out the window anyway let's carry on this is where the story really takes a turn for the i don't even know i was gonna say worse but maybe mental is a better word to use here all right then now this update takes place just a few days later on november the 6th okay this week has been really chaotic those who said to be prepared for the pregnancy tactic were incredibly accurate. She posted it online. People were freaking out again and calling Sam, asking him if it was true. Sam called her and asked that she deleted it, but she continued claiming that she was pregnant. He asked her to delete it and to come and talk about it. She did delete it, met up with Sam, and somehow this crazy woman thought he wanted her back. I went with Sam and she was very happy until she saw me enter the place. She started crying, holding her stomach, and when Sam asked if she was really pregnant, she said yes and told him she didn't want her child to be from a broken family. Sam told her they were going to the doctor immediately to know for sure, and she cried even more, screaming he didn't trust her. Long story short, she isn't pregnant, but she posted that Sam was forcing her to have an abortion and that she was devastated. As you may imagine, this was a horrible thing to say. People are calling Sam because they're so whiplash from the drama, they don't know what to believe anymore. When my sister-in-law, Anna, Joe's wife, found out about Daniela's posts and the meeting, she called Daniela. I'm unsure what was said in that conversation, but I've also never seen Anna this angry. The posts have been taken down, but Anna wrote an email with all relevant information, including that Daniela was never pregnant and sent it to everybody in the wedding list. This morning, we heard Daniela had a breakdown after leaving voicemails, telling Sam if she couldn't be with him, she wanted to die. This is another tactic straight out of our mother's playbook. And Sam simply called the police and told them what happened. Her family forced her into therapy and she's in observation right now. It brings us no pleasure that it came to this, but we don't want to get involved anymore. We're also changing our numbers. Already requested it. Our mother emailed Anna, threatening to sue her for defamation regarding the email blast but we're not worried about that either. Anna's parents are amazing and they've made it perfectly clear they are on our side and 100% agree with the way she handled things. Joe was enraged, but Anna convinced him to let it go and simply move on. 
mother's husband has been a peach as usual. Dad is considering a restraining order, but they're not great in our country. We did have a get together at home yesterday and it was a lot of fun. There was karaoke, dancing, nice food and drinks, games, and a bouncy house because why not? We love them. Most people avoided the topic of the wedding and the social media posts, but those who brought them up did tactfully. Dad had already given away a lot of the alcohol to his employees. They got to choose what they wanted and got a bottle each. He's also adding bottles into his Christmas baskets this year. We're going to spend the holidays together and traveling. I suggested to Sam about maybe repainting the house, but he just doesn't want to live there. He'll rent it. I made a joke about me simply eloping or not having a proper wedding to avoid drama. And Joe told me in no uncertain terms, I get the biggest party ever if I choose to. So yeah, he's still the best. So that is the end of update two. Now, after that point, we didn't hear anything from OP for about a month and a half. So update three is coming on the 22nd of December, 2021. Sam is doing well. He's taking time off for work. His boss is very understanding about him needing time and told him he can always come back. He's still living with dad and has his savings. So he's not worried about that aspect. He's running now and decided to run the marathon next year. He's more and more his goofy self and is doing renovations at home. Or in other words, dad and Sam are trying to paint some rooms and do murals. It's hilarious and they have a lot of fun. Now, Daniela wrote him a letter, but he sent it back. The house was put on the market as a rental and he's okay with it. I am engaged. It turns out it's been months in the making. And when I made the joke about eloping, my future husband, Matt, panicked that I discovered the plan. He spoke with Sam, who already knew of the plans because he didn't want to make him uncomfortable. But Sam said it would actually make him uncomfortable if he didn't. He also spoke with Joe and my dad. And my dad made him sweat when he asked my hand, saying it was not his to give but they say it was all in good fun. It happened earlier this month. I'm very excited, but not as much as my dad. He says he wants to walk me down, even if it is a civil wedding. While my news is amazing, I believe the other big news is better. Joe and Anna have been on the adoption list for a while. And as of a couple of weeks ago, they have a baby. She is the most beautiful, sweet, best baby ever. The adoption is final as it is usually in our country for newborn or almost newborn babies. We knew they wanted to adopt for a while. So when they told us about the baby being officially theirs, there was a lot of crying, but happy crying. Dad's in full grandpa mode. And even as bad as some things got this year, this is the best thing that happened to our family in years. Mum did learn about the baby and demanded an introduction. She's been served our version of an order of protection. She's never putting her eyes on her if we can help it. I guess that's the bad news. Due to the new COVID, we decided to stay home. Now with a new addition, we wouldn't travel, of course. We had a Christmas slash welcome baby slash baby shower slash engagement small gathering last weekend, which Joe and my niece didn't attend since she's too young, but they were there via Zoom. We all agreed to give Sam some goof gifts such as t-shirts, mugs, sweatshirts, etc. of Julia Roberts, since you know he is the runaway bride of the family. The reason Joe and I are considering moving is that we live in flats at the moment and we want to live in houses. We're still shaken up and we know we have work to do, but we know we have so much and we want to focus on that because the negative is in the minority. And no matter what happens, I'm always grateful for my family. I believe this will be the last update, folks. I know the last ones have been mainly drama-free and might not be as exciting, but we aim for that. Now, if you believe what OP is saying, then I'll be honest with you guys, you believe wrong because just a few days ago, September the 5th, 2022, there was a final update. Okay, let's do the kind of bad news first. 
Daniela came back with a swing that we were not expecting. She is now pregnant and is claiming to whomever would listen that Sam is the dad. Sadly for her, it is literally impossible for him to be the father since he wasn't even in the country when the baby would have been conceived, but she's got no way of knowing that. Sam has offered repeatedly to have a paternity test, but she refuses. Sam is safe legally, he just feels bad for her baby. Daniela's dad did sue Sam for emotional distress of two of his daughters, Daniela and the one the boyfriend left, but nothing happened since Joe dealt with it. Surprise, Joe is a lawyer. It's relevant info for this catch up, I promise. Sam decided not to do anything against him since he has too much on his plate and feels pity for the family. Mom still insisted on meeting the baby, but that's never gonna happen. She undusted one of her favorite tactics, she has cancer. She contacted Joe and Anna through their work emails and begged them to help out with meeting the baby since she's so sick and would most likely need a transplant of something, etc. You see, this is like the fifth time that she's had cancer, but in reality, she's had cancer a total of zero times. She loves the attention, the suffering, the drama, and all that good stuff that bad people like to bring out of others. We never believed her, of course. But what we didn't expect was that she would make a fool of herself when she contacted Anna's mum on Facebook. Anna's mum is a lovely, good Catholic lady, so my mum must have assumed that she'd be easy to manipulate. She told her about her cancer and how heartbroken she was not to meet Joe and Anna's baby. Anna's mum proceeded to ask a couple of questions about the diagnosis and treatment, which made no sense, as expected. Then she blocked her and posted the screenshots on her wall. It's like high school drama, only with older folks with hilarious comebacks. The baby is otherwise very happy and very healthy, and the only controversy regarding her was the question of what Rita would be called. Now, Rita is OP's dad's girlfriend. This is not by Rita, but by our mother, who claimed Rita had no right to be called Grandma. Joe and Anna talked with Rita, and they all agreed, for all intents and purposes, that she is Grandma Rita, and Mum can do nothing about it. Sam's doing well. He quit his job and started something on his own. He's still living at the family home, renting the other house, and kind of seeing someone. She's nice, knows about all the stuff, makes amazing cakes, knows how to knit. We like her, so we're both positive and cautious. They are taking it slow, but it's nice to see him with someone like this. He also kept on painting rooms with dad, and the results are, please remember I love these two, embarrassingly funny, ridiculous, and like something you do in kindergarten. Dad got COVID for the first time, and he got so scared that he decided to update his will. That's why Joe's profession is important. They wanted Sam and I to know about it when they finished it up. Everything he owns is divided in four, his kids and the other quarter to any grandchildren. However, the family house is not to be divided and is going to be put on my name soonish. I was a bit confused, but Joe and dad discussed it and wanted me to have it, if and only if Sam agreed. He did and is very happy about it. They didn't really offer many explanations other than it was the right thing to do. I sense a little because I'm the baby there, but it's okay. Joe bought a house in the same neighborhood as our family home. Thus, even if they are not in the same block or anything, they are close by. We, Matt and I, are not buying anything anymore since I'll be getting the house and it would make no sense. We moved to the family home and it's been interesting, but nice. Dad has started semi-retirement and spending more days at Rita's, so it works for everybody. Sam will of course get to stay there as long as he wants, but his murals will have to go. We're still engaged, still happy, still enjoying babysitting and still not pregnant, but we've got a cat during the spring. We're planning a December wedding and couldn't ask for a better end of the year. So that's it, no drama or at least not huge drama. 
but moving forward and healing continuously, which is the way we like it. And there we go. As of the day of recording, the 7th of September, that is the last up that we've had. Um, thoroughly enjoyed that story from start to finish. You're right, OP. The drama did kind of get less and less, but I guess that's what you wanted to see. And it turned into just a nice family story, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Let me know in the comments down below, guys. Do you like these sort of videos where it's more of a series or a chronology, a progression of events and stories rather than just bang, 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 I'm the butthole, I'm the butthole, I'm the butthole, random things. I looked at this post and I thought, you know what? Yeah, there's some great drama at the start and it gets a little bit calmer as we go, but it's just a nice story. And sometimes I don't want to read stories that are just mental every second. It's nice to chill out, relax, and watch a family's cool progression over a year and a half. Do you agree? Let me know. Loved it. Now for number two. Now this one, you could argue that I've kind of cheated here, but I just love this story so much. If you've been around on my channel for a while and you've watched all the episodes from this year, then you will know all about Mad Margaret. Mad Margaret is without a doubt one of the most insane women that we've ever come across on my channel and on Reddit. So insane in fact that I had to break her story down into three separate parts. Yes, I've kind of cheated because these three parts are all making it into number two as a collective, but just sit back and relax because this woman is nuts and she definitely deserves to be in this list. This is the insane story of Mad Margaret. Mad Margaret, the beginning. Today, I will be introducing you to a human being who is a curious mixture of entitled and insane. My first landlady, Mad Margaret. About eight years ago, I moved out of my parents' place practically a few months after returning from foreign exchange. My family is supportive, but pretty firmly believe in being autonomous and self-sufficient. So I look for a place to live near my, at the time, girlfriend, now fiance. She lived on the outskirts of a larger city and finding low rent would be difficult. Eventually, I find a room listed for about $500 a month, which is almost criminally low for the area but I was a foolish child and I didn't pick up on that first red flag. The second red flag came when I called to query about the room. My soon-to-be landlady made sure to emphasize that she was a pastor and a minister, that no amount of Satanism or evil thoughts would be allowed in the house. I am myself completely non-religious, so I foolishly believed that this would be perfectly fine. I explained that I was a student and would be doing student things. An agreement was made and I moved up shortly thereafter. Upon moving in, Mad Margaret was pleasant, if a little eccentric. She showed me to my room, my mum helped me unpack, and my mum and I left to get me some starting groceries. Upon our return, Mad Margaret showed me my shelf in the fridge and my shelf in the pantry. Mum and I load our stuff up and mum drives back home. Shortly afterwards, Mad Margaret apologized for leaving some of her groceries on the pantry and helped me move her stuff to a different shelf. This left all of my groceries stacked up in the middle of my shelf on the pantry because I didn't feel the need to spread them out. This is very important. My first morning in my new room, I wake up at around 8 a.m. to knock, 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 knock. Hey, Margaret, what's up? It's not going to work out. You need to pack your things up and leave. I'm sorry. What? You need to leave. It's not going to work out. Well, I paid first and last month's rent, so I'm here for at least two months. What's going on? Have I offended you? I don't need any of your feng shui, voodoo, devil rubbish in my house. Notes, it was not her house. She was subleasing. I don't recall doing any feng shui, voodoo, devil rubbish. What do you mean? She beckons that I follow her and stomps off to the kitchen where she flings open the pantry and points accusingly at my shelf. This feng shui rubbish. What's wrong with my groceries? 
how you organize them you have them all stacked up in the middle like you're doing some feng shui rubbish to curse me and my child uh no i just left them there after we moved your groceries off my shelf yesterday you had your stuff on the sides so i put my stuff in the middle and then we moved your groceries <laughs> well i've got my eye on you and that my friends was day one in this house I lived there for a little over half a year. If you guys are interested, I can provide more epic tales of this mad woman. She was entitled, nuts, and pretty racist against black people, Asians, and Hispanic people. And speaking of more tales of Mad Margaret, guys, don't worry, because here is Mad Margaret Part 2, her righteous defense against the shaman and warlocks, what a title. One of the mistakes I made very early on as an independent adult was to regularly offer my technical and electronic skills to anyone and everyone. It makes me feel cool and smart to fix things for people. I made this mistake with Margaret during my initial phone call setting up the rental situation. The next day, after she accused me of Satanism, based solely on how I organized my groceries, she called me over to the living room. I braced myself for another rant about my evil voodoo ways, but instead, Mad Margaret asked for my help. She asked about a way to get her camcorder to stream live to the internet. I figured this was an opportunity to get on her good side, so I take the camcorder in hand and start fiddling with it, as well as her computer to see what our options were. This was in 2013, so live streaming was nowhere near as commonplace as it is today. While playing with her outdated equipment to see if what she wanted was even possible, she began to explain why she wanted to live stream. You see, Mad Margaret has a hobby, Mad Margaret enjoys preaching daily to an empty room for about three consecutive hours. Give or take an hour, depending on her mood. I later learned that this was the safest time to enter and leave the house, as she would not stop unless God himself showed up to tell her to shut up. Margaret began telling me how desperately important it was that she do this daily. The following conversation, while possibly not identically worded, as it has been nine years, has not been exaggerated in the slightest nor is she being misrepresented. This is who this woman is. Thank you, Bailey, for helping me get this fixed up. I knew it was the right choice letting you live here. Did she forget that she accused me of Satanism just yesterday? No problem. I just really enjoy fixing things. Do you know why I do this? Preaching to her living room behind a lectern every day? Because you're a minister? I was desperately hoping this would be a short conversation. Well, because I fight daily for the protection of the world and all the good godly people here. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people on the opposite side. People who work with the devil to try and bring ruin to the world. Every day, there are shaman out there begging their evils to prevent the sun from rising each day. Oh. If I wasn't here preaching God's word, they would win. The sun wouldn't rise and we'd all die in a world of darkness. Yes, people, I am not exaggerating. This woman takes credit for the sun rising each day. Ah, well, thanks, I guess. Each day I speak out against these evils. You know, the other day I saw thousands of crows on your college campus. I knew they were sent by evil priests to stop my sermons. They're an evil that collects around the godless students at the college that you go to. I'm pretty certain that crows just have some kind of migration pattern up here in the fall. They do, of course. We get tons of crows every year. No, it's them students, I'll tell you. I had one of those 
Asians staying here last year. I tried to tell him about God and Jesus, but he tried to put an evil on me for it. That's unfortunate. He had this shrine with Buddhas and evil figures. He tried to use his magic to curse my son's flight to crash the plane and kill him. Did his plane crash? No, because I stopped it with my sermons. Nito. I've had other students from your college come here. All of them evil. So many of them smoke the devil's lettuce and let Satan take over their body. Terrible influences on my other son. Later, I would find out her other son lived in a building next door and was hands down the biggest stoner I've ever met in my entire life. The dude was so chill and tried to redirect his mum from harassing us anytime he was there. I'm sorry, is all I can say. So how's the camera coming, honey? Um, can we get my videos online? You know, Margaret, I think that this camcorder and desktop are a little too old to be capable of doing that. I'm afraid you'll have to keep the recordings yourself. Following this, I left for my girlfriend's house as quickly as possible. Every day for the next month, Mad Margaret would attempt to pester or harass me into fixing her up to be live online. Each time I'd make an excuse to not get trapped into doing so. Now guys, although that is unfortunately the end of these mental Mad Margaret tales so far, there are more coming. Don't you worry. Look on screen right now. These are the potential stories that OP can write about because you've got to remember all of this happened in 2013 and they lived with Mad Margaret for a while. So we've got Mad Margaret and the tales of other tenants, Mad Margaret and the tale of the possessed dog, Mad Margaret, the surprising, if brief, redemption arc. Mad Margaret and her crazy landlady. And then finally, Mad Margaret meets Bailey's dad. That is OP. So if you do want to see me cover them and give you updates to the Mad Margaret story in future episodes, just let me know in the comments down below. Wow, what an unbelievable woman is all I will say for now. The time Dr. Ick came for dinner. This is a funny story that happened a long time ago when I was in college. Back then, I had a friend who I loved. She was a sweet, mild girl who used to paint watercolor flowers. We met in art school. She was kind, gentle, and very meek. Her parents set her up with a gent who was about seven to nine years older, a friend of the family. Honestly, I couldn't take her boyfriend. He was rude, arrogant, and the total opposite of her. He had picked her up from classes many times. He was the snap, snap, I'm late for something guy. She would scramble to get her stuff ready so he wouldn't have to wait. In short, I thought he was a jerk. He was the guy who parked in the fire zone with his MD plates. So important he was because he was a doctor. He never really talked to the classmates, just kind of made her rush out of class to go and get their stuff done. Unless he was outside just honking to get her attention. Too important to come in and get her. I called him Doc Ick. My friends laughed. My sweet friend didn't. A few months into school, our married, grown-up friends decided to have a dinner party. We all got the invites. Of course, Dr. Boyfriend was coming. So, my sweet friend and Dr. Ick come late. We were all seated at the table by the time they arrived. He was introduced to the room. The doctor reprimanded the host for not calling him Dr. Insert first name. He wanted us to call him Dr. at the dinner table because he was a doctor. Did I mention he was a doctor? He was late because he had a doctor thing. Doctor, doctor, doctor. The host apologized, called him doctor first name, and then pointed him to the two seats at the end of the table, since we'd all been seated by now. But the doctor said that he would prefer to sit at the head of the table. After all, he was a doctor. He might be called out for an emergency during the dinner. The room got quiet, too quiet. The clock ticked gently in the background, and I began to laugh. 
Not just any laughter. Oh no, I broke into deep hacking laughter of the condescending kind. You know, the big ugly snort kind you see in movies, but pray your nose will never make in real life. Yeah, snorts, chuckles, and wheezes laughter. Ugly, funny laughter. It was just absolutely absurd, and he wasn't kidding either. He hadn't been with us for more than five minutes before he kicked the dude whose house we were in out of his own chair at the head of the table because he was a doctor. Well, after that, Dr. Ick turned purple from anger. What with me laughing at him at the dinner table and all. He was wild Defcon 1 level angry. I can say honestly, I didn't blame the guy. I guess I'd be annoyed too if someone broke out into joker-like laughter at my own existence, which yes, I was very guilty of. So there I am, laughing at the table, when he starts lecturing me on how dumb I am, how he was a doctor, how dare I laugh at him. Which, you bet, made me laugh louder. I'm shocked I didn't swallow my own tongue at this point, honestly. I was in tears, gasping for air, snorting like some sort of hyena in the desert. I fell off my chair. I was asked if I smoked pot before I came. I didn't. I was just shaking my head no as I snickered, unable to make words come out of my mouth. The laughter. I've been hit with joker juice. Oh, thank God YouTube was not a thing yet because this was legendary meme stuff. I just thought this guy was such a jerk that this had to be some performance art thing, like some form of reverse stand-up. Who asked the host to get out of their chair whose meal you're about to eat after showing up late in the first place? Oh, I just found it hysterical. Well, at this point, we were all laughing. I'm not proud. Most of the folks in the room were outright laughing at me because it was just too funny not to. I mean, how can you not snicker at a grown woman dying of laughter on the floor at this jerk? It was hilarious, very infectious, and you bet, all my faults. I guess me rolling on the floor begging for air was something the good doctor wasn't interested in because he took my sweet friend and his doc ick butt out of that house, never to return again. About 20 minutes later, I composed myself. I swear, I was wiping away tears, the chortling stopped, and then everyone got real quiet. Like, real, real quiet. Too quiet, even. Food on the table, wine glasses filled, the clock ticking in the background, and I say, in a very calm voice, that guy was a dick. Can you please pass the mashed potatoes? Which started the laughter all over again. Best dinner party ever. Turns out, my sweet friend had a dark side after all. Good for her. When she saw me that following Monday, she gave it to me with both barrels and a stick. I was insensitive. I was a jerk. I was a disgrace. I was an absolute subpar human and a rotten friend. All of which I could sort of agree with, except for the subpar human bits. I mean, I might just be an extraordinary type human from not having my teeth explode out of my head from laughing so hard. Go me. Can that be a superpower? Well, to summarize, she wanted an apology. Not just to her, but to Dr. Ick. He was coming to get her after class, and I would have to make a big production about it too. Bells, whistles, groveling, or she was done with me. The good doctor parked his car in the fire lane, strolled into our class, folded his arms over his chest, and waited for me to apologize. I, being the I that I am, walked right up to the idiot and told him, I'm sorry, you're such a butthole. And then I walked out of that class. He was furious and I just kept walking while laughing. Well, you bet she was done with me after that. She made sure every class she took, I was not in. 
she eventually married that guy too everyone in our little r group at school except for us folks at the dinner party were invited to their big old doctor wedding i heard it was a lovely event out in the hamptons good for her also dr ick was a podiatrist and hey if mrs dr ick reads this i hope it all worked out well for you best wishes for a good life i still think about this night when it's going sideways in my life makes me laugh wow what a story and what a man a sensational human being there a a podiatrist is someone that deals with a doctor that deals with ankles feet and toes that sort of stuff now i don't know about you but i don't know about many accidents or emergencies that require someone that, that deals with feet ankles and toes to leave a dinner party and be at the head of the table and rush off in that split second i could be wrong there I don't know. I'm not a medical professional and this is not medical advice. Just interesting nonetheless. You know, one word springs to mind with this doctor and it is in fact the same word that describes my audio recording software. Audacity. Unbelievable it really is. Entitlement 101. Just does this guy really even know how entitled and insane he's being? He probably doesn't, otherwise he wouldn't do it. Ultimately, thank you, Dr. Egg, because without you, I would never have had this enjoyment and neither would you guys listening right now. So there we go. Let's get a thank you, Dr. Ick, in the comments down below for being such a good guy. Mad Margaret Part 3, The Tale of the Possessed Dog. Now, quickly, before we get into this one, thankfully, OP has given us a little background on the rest of the story so far, if you haven't yet gone back and watched that episode first. So, I moved out of my house when I was 18 to go to school near my girlfriend, now fiancé. I found a suspiciously cheap room in the area with a landlady who turned out to be nuttier than squirrel poop. Said landlady accused me of Satanism because of how I organized my groceries. Then the next day took credit for the rising of the sun. Note, this was several years back and she is no longer my landlady. All right then, on to today's episode. Margaret is, by my estimation, at heart somewhat lonely. How do I know this? Well, two reasons. One, if she saw me or one of the other two tenants and she wasn't preaching to an empty room, she would immediately attempt to hold us hostage in conversation. Seriously, no amount of mm-hmms or reallys would dissuade her from going on and on and on and on and on about how everyone besides her is evil and she's a saint. After one week where she wasn't able to successfully pester me or the other two tenants, she out of nowhere adopted a dog. Now, it's been nearly 10 years, so I cannot remember this dog's name, but I do remember the dog. It was a small curly-haired white dog that looks like this, if you're watching on YouTube, and it was a sweetheart. This dog, when I met it, was jumping up and wanted nothing but love and affection, which it seemed at first Margaret was going to provide. She pet the dog, told her that she was a beautiful gift from the Lord, a great matchup, right? Well, before I elaborate much further, it warrants explaining the layout of the house. Mad Margaret's mad house was at one point in its history an assisted living home. It had three bedrooms on the first floor, one for each tenant, and a whole second story dedicated entirely to her grand regal radiance, Mad Margaret. It's also worth mentioning that Mad Margaret is, if you hadn't figured out from the other two stories, extremely mistrustful of, well, everyone. So she made a point that her fluffy white angel never be downstairs. Back to the story. For the next few days, I am, as always, careful to leave during Margaret's midday sermon to no one, as that is the only time she won't attempt to trap anyone in conversation. I noticed a bit of a trend. She kept talking about the cleanliness of God and how the devil was an agent of chaos and filth. Eventually, about a week after Mad Margaret got the dog, I was unlucky enough to return home while she was in the kitchen. She caught me. Bailey? Frick. What up, Margaret? We need to get rid of the dog. We? Oh no, I say. What's going on? It's possessed. I think by Satan himself. What What do you mean it's possessed? 
this forgive me but damn dog is intent on ruining my godly house is bringing filth into my home filth it keeps defecating and urinating in my room we need to get rid of it oh no it wasn't potty trained those heathens at the shelter assured me that she was is it not going to the bathroom when you let it outside and margaret was silent at this point it hits me i'd seen the dog precisely once when she'd initially gotten it i'd leave the house pretty frequently but one would assume my path would cross with her pottying the dog at least once right margaret you have been letting the dog outside right i want this demon gone sigh what do you mean you want it gone I want to take it to be put down. Um, absolutely not. Absolutely not, Margaret. Return it to the shelter. But it's possessed. The heathens at the shelter try to put a demon in my home. Margaret, the dog is not possessed. You never let it outside. Where the heck is it supposed to go to the bathroom? Do you expect it to stand up on the toilet, do its business, and flush? Oh, I just let it out the other day. Margaret, how often do you go to the bathroom? Every couple of days? No. Find me the number of the shelter and I'll call them for you. I don't have their number. I don't believe that. You better get your son to help you get this dog back to the shelter because if I find out you've had this dog put down because it pooped in the room you left it locked up in, you're gonna have a lot more to worry about than demons in this house. I'll call the cops, animal protective services, anyone and everyone. Fine, I'll get my son to help me return this dang demon. The last I saw the dog, she was loading up into her SUV and her son was driving. She'd lost her license several times over. So I'm fairly confident the dog was taken and returned to the shelter she got it from. For the next couple of days, she was surprisingly less talkative to me, though she definitely looked at me with some suspicion. I don't think she ever stopped believing that dog was possessed. I'm glad though that I was able to save it from her. I mean, listen, I knew this woman was crazy before I started reading this third installment of the Mad Margaret Tales, but my goodness, if you weren't there, OP, then this woman legitimately would have killed a dog for not letting it outside to go to the toilet. Mental. Now I know what you're thinking. Wow, surely this woman can't get any crazier. Well, there's part four and part five coming right up. So um, yeah, you'd be wrong, unfortunately. Mad Margaret part four other tenants i've mentioned minimally in other installments of this story that there were other tenants in mad margaret's house to be precise there were two sad steve and devilish dan no names changed because i've forgotten their names at this point i'm not the type of person to really know my neighbors and our paths seldom crossed because we'd all keep to our rooms for obvious reasons both of these men were a fair bit older than me 40s and 50s and both were semi-recently divorced only living with mad margaret to be closer to their kids we'll start with an introduction of sad steve sad steve was a very clever if very depressed man in the months i lived there i shared maybe two to three conversations with him he was a set worker for a local tv show about a cop who can see supernatural fairy tale things he was very sad about the way things went down in his life and wanted nothing more than to be there for his kids he gave me a mickey mouse coffee mug i still own to this day now as far as mad margaret was concerned this man was a ripe target for impromptu sermons and semi-frequent snide remarks the first time i spoke with sad steve in the kitchen after chatting for a bit margaret came out and i very quickly finished making my food and scurried back to my room unfortunately abandoning poor steve steve was stuck in that conversation for a good two hours the man either had the patience of a saint or just wouldn't will himself to exit the situation. She told him all about how God's got a plan for this. If you're righteous, your life won't suck. It wasn't good. 
The look on his face at the time broke my heart, and I resolved to throw myself between Mad Margaret and Sad Steve anytime she started focusing on him. It felt like I was leaping on top of a grenade each time, but I'm fairly emotionally resilient, and honestly, I thought too much exposure to Margaret would drive Steve to a bad place. I wish I had more to tell you about Steve, but that's about the long and the short of it. Now, the other tenant there is someone that you've probably all been dying to hear about, Devilish Dan. Why do I assume your collective interest in Devilish Dan? Well, this man has acted out and personified just about every action you guys recommended I take. Dan hated Mad Margaret, and Mad Margaret hated him right back. These people were arch enemies in the most literal sense possible. Where I saw someone to be avoided for the sake of avoiding unnecessary inconvenience or drama, Devilish Dan saw a religious nut who could be messed with. Devilish Dan would laugh devilishly. Devilish Dan would outright claim to be Satan there to torture her. He would get into shouting matches with Mad Margaret because he apparently does not see the futility in arguing with crazy. He would slam his door and claim to be the Antichrist. Devilish Dan was surprisingly childish for a 50 plus year old man with graying hair. Now, while I disagreed with his tactics, his presence outside of his room was much appreciated because Mad Margaret would fixate on him because he would actively antagonize her, which made any time he was roaming the house a safe time for me to go about my business unperturbed. A brief example of a typical interaction between the two would be this. Dan, are you trying to curse my son? I saw you looking at him with evil eyes when you were getting out of your car. Well, of course I was. What? Why? Why do you attack my family? Because I'm the devil incarnate, you stupid idiot. You loud, angry rambling. After a particularly bad night between the two, I was roused from my computer science homework by particularly loud slamming down the hallway. I decided to wait a bit for things to calm down, then took my laundry to the laundry room, which was right next to Devilish Dan's room down the hallway. I find Mad Margaret's practically Rastafarian son in the hallway staring at Devilish Dan's bedroom door, laundry in hand, shaking his head. On Devilish Dan's door, in white paints, in large horror movie fonts, was the message, don't threaten me. Good lord people, I wish I'd taken a picture. Mad Margaret's son had come over to pick up his laundry out of the dryer, only to find the message on the door. He yelled to Mad Margaret, Mom, I'm serious. You can't be doing this anymore. You're gonna get in trouble. Which was met with some shrieking about how devilish Dan was the devil. I quickly got the lowdown from the son. Devilish Dan doubled down on his devilish depiction. Mad Margaret, met with much misanthropy, momentarily melted down. This was also, apparently, not Mad Margaret's first time using this means of communication, so her son was concerned she'd be met with the police. Now, for those of you who are cheering on Devilish Dan, like me, by the way, the narrator here, I do want to take a moment to clarify. This is not necessarily just how he acted with Margaret. The man was a pretty rude narcissist, pinning the blame for all of his life's woes on Mad Margaret and his ex-wife. When I was looking for another room to rent, I met two lovely women in the neighborhood who had rooms, one of which I did move into and both had also had applications from Devilish Dan. Both of these women made it very clear they did not see him in a favorable light, and that he'd been angrily ranting about how everything bad was Margaret's fault, taking no responsibility for himself. Ultimately, at the end of this tale, I remain concerned for Sad Steve, and I hope he did well and got out of there. I feel little pity for Devilish Dan, and I assume that if he remained there for much longer, one would have murdered the other. Personally, I'm just glad to have left. Yeah, not gonna lie guys, I definitely see a lot of devilish Dan in myself, for better or worse. Um, when someone is as crazy as that and is just downright deluded and mental, yeah, maybe in retrospect it's not the best thing to just mess with them. But at the time, 
I know that I wouldn't be able to help myself. Stuff like that, writing that sort of stuff on his own door, trying to make it seem as if Mad Margaret had done it. I just love it. And look, maybe that's the devil inside me. Sorry for the pun, but I just love that sort of stuff. And I do think she deserved it. Let me know down below. Do you agree with Bailey, OP, or do you agree more with Devilish Dan and his actions? For me, Dan's clear, 100%. Anyway, here is the fifth and final part. Mad Margaret part five. Margaret meets Bailey's dad. Now, if you didn't know, Bailey is the name of the person that has written this entire series. All right then, so we can get started. We have to talk about somebody first, my dad. He is, well, an interesting guy. He's not tall, he's about 5'8", so a bit shorter than me, and he was in the Air Force for a long time as the guy who trained other people how to survive in the wilderness. He literally wrote most of the book on how to not die away from civilization. And he also fixed jets. He builds his own motorcycles and got one featured in a magazine. In terms of personality, he is a force to be reckoned with. Much of the time, he thinks he's a social butterfly and will walk up to random people to start conversations. Dad has an unerring sense of justice, enjoys helping people, is loyal, and is incredibly inventive and clever, although he can be rather opinionated. However, the man's got a fuse so short you'd barely believe it's there. And having trained military men in how not to die, he's got a hell of a drill sergeant voice. It's like he has the voice from the Dune series, except people tend to do what he says because he's able to shout so loudly and with such authority that you unconsciously begin doing whatever he's shouting at you about. It's like the annoyed voice of God. He'll love that I said that. In short, I love and respect this man as he formed a lot of who I am today. I'm a milder version of him and believe in being persuasive rather than shouty, but ultimately much to the same effect. So with that in mind, on to the story. Dad came down to visit me or to drop something off, I can't remember, in the city where I moved. We drove around for a bit before ultimately returning to Mad Margaret's madhouse. Upon our return, I take to moving whatever he's got in his truck into my room and I foolishly leave him unsupervised for more than 30 seconds. Of course, this means that Mad Margaret has crawled out of the air vents, or however it was she'd move around the house, to find him standing in the living room. Dad begins trying to make small talk with Mad Margaret, who I absolutely warned him about and begged him not to engage her. In retrospect, this was seen by him as an open invitation to meet a new crazy. That is exactly how I'd take that as well, I'm not gonna lie. So, how have things been with my boy moved in? Asked Dad. Well, I'm not so sure about him. What? What's the problem? I'm not so sure he's a good kid. I don't trust him. There's been some evil in this house since he moved in. At this point, dad begins turning a light shade of red. Ha, <laughs> evil? Bailey's the best damn kid I've ever met. He's a straight A student and helpful to a fault. No, I think he's definitely into some kind of paganism, like all the kids going to his college. Dad now turns a deeper shade of red. Freaking excuse you? I raised that kid. He's significantly smarter and kinder than I'll ever be, and even if he was Satanist, he's a million times kinder than you. At this point, I have felt the world shake and gods tremble as my dad is moments away from a shouting match with Mad Margaret. I don't need you or him bringing the devil into this house. I'm visually watching my dad turn a shade of red that even his colorblind ass can see and quickly run in to intervene. I run up to him. Dad, outside now. We step outside. Dad, I love you, but I need you to not get into an argument with her. Why the heck shouldn't I? She was insulting my boy. Yeah, but I have to live here for at least a couple more months. So why should you have to deal with this insane woman's BS? Because if I don't give her a reason to focus on me, she won't bother me much. I'm not being nice or deflected with her because I think she deserves it. I'm doing it because it doesn't benefit me at all to make enemies. Oh, I raised a smart boy. Dang, she annoys me. 
Eventually, I convinced my dad to be content to give me a hug and I sent him on his way. Margaret tried talking to me as soon as I went back in and I responded, sorry, Margaret, I don't care. I've got homework. And I shut myself in my room. Important lesson to all. It doesn't benefit anyone to argue with crazy. Pick your battles by whether or not there's potential for them to benefit you in the future. Also, it's my dad's birthday today and he came up here to visit. We're going skydiving tomorrow. We went out for drinks and I asked him to reflect on Mad Margaret. He said, you know, I don't care if people are religious. Whatever you got to tell yourself to be able to live your life. But dang, she was freaking nuts. Mad Margaret part six, her surprising if brief redemption arc. This particular story starts not at Mad Margaret's house, but rather at my girlfriend, now fiance's house. I've been hanging out with her all day. And by that time, her mum was probably sick of playing host to a teenage boy. So I'd elected to go home and work on my homework. Now it's important to note that my girlfriend's house was at the top of a very steep hill or rather a mountain. I don't know what to call it since hill doesn't do it justice, but mountain seems a bit too extreme. There were two paths down this hilly mountain. The first of which, and my primary means of access, was a long winding road with no bike lane. Unfortunately, I didn't have my driver's license until a couple of years later, so I biked everywhere. The second trail down the mountainous hill was a footpath that I was unfamiliar with. On this particular day, the rain had been pretty intense and it was a bit foggy, so I decided to err on the side of safety. I'm very cautious on my bike, despite the biking culture here. I still bike like I'm living in LA, where cars view on-road cyclists as mere speed bumps. So, I took the footpath. Surely you can tell from the ominous italicization of that last sentence that this was a huge mistake. Huge mistakes in bold. And for those of you listening, the last sentence was italicized. The footpath was covered in leaves and I was unfamiliar with it. As stated previously, this area was unforgivingly steep. So I was cycling down the footpath very rapidly, cockedly assured of my prowess on a bike. Well, cycling prowess means jack diddly squat when you're hurtling down a hill at about 20 miles an hour and are suddenly presented with a very sharp turn through a tunnel. I tried to lean into the turn and ease onto my brakes. Instead, my wheels slid out from under me on wet leaves and my bike and I went skidding down the asphalt for about 10 feet. After catching my breath, I immediately released it again in the form of every curse word in every language I am familiar with. Thankfully, the trees that bore witness to my wipeout took no offense. Now, it's important to know that this is all merely prelude to my epic trek hobbling back home. Once I gathered up my bike and belongings, ensured that most of my organs were where I left them, and took inventory of how many of my inside fluids became outside fluids, I began hobbling back the mile or two to Mad Margaret's house. On the way back, I passed by a preschool slash kindergarten, and I thought to myself... Aha, keepers of children. Those are just the demographic that typically get injured and dinged up. Perhaps they have a first aid kit I can use to keep my blood on the inside. So I hobbled up to the school and asked if they had a first aid kit that I could borrow. They gave me a pretty curt, nope, we don't have one. Now, while I am in fact certain that they did, I can kind of understand where they were coming from. An 18-year-old with a somewhat busted-looking bike came limping up covered in scrapes and bruises, looking somewhat like an extra in a bad zombie movie. I was annoyed, but I kept on limping. Sorry, i got to intervene here. Any good school or any good person would still give you a first aid kit. Come on. Eventually, I'm halfway back home and I stumble across an ambulance parked on the side of the road. I think to myself, ah, medical services. Certainly these fine people will have the materials necessary so that I can patch myself up and be on my way. The ambulance driver and EMT looked at me with confusion at my request. Hey guys, I kind of wiped out my bike. My wrist hurts, I've scraped off half my palm and I've got quite a few cuts. Any chance I could borrow some band-aids and some ace bandage to patch myself up? 
Uh, no, we can't really do that, but we could give you a ride to the hospital. Does that cost money? Uh, depends on your insurance. Okay, so this is how I know this story doesn't take place in the UK. In the UK, you're getting help right away in seconds without a question being asked, unless they're dealing with someone else, of course. The mere mention of a scary adult word like insurance sent 18-year-old me back on his quest to hobble home. That's really sad, to be honest. My final stop on the way back was at a church very near to Mad Margaret's house. I figured that at their core, religious people should want to do nice things for the less fortunate, and I was feeling less than fortunate at that moment. I pestered a priest who was leaving, who stopped long enough to grab me some ace bandage from his first aid kit before going on his way. I pocketed the bandage and decided that I needed to wash off my wounds before putting it on. I've made it to Mad Margaret's house. Now, before I start with her reaction, let me fully explain how injured I was. Feel free to skip this next paragraph, guys, if you're squeamish. I'll put a little timestamp on screen right now of where to skip to if you don't want to hear this. I had, learned later, that I fractured my wrist. I'd cuts all over, a big scrape on my knees and legs, and the worst of it was I'd effectively scraped one of my palms down to the fat. The fleshy part of my palm on my left hand under my thumb was yellowy and purpley because there was a whole lot of hand left on the asphalt where I crashed. Anyway, here's Margaret's reaction. I enter the house. Bailey! Bailey, are you okay? Well, a lot of my blood is on the wrong side of my skin and I crashed my bike. Oh my God, you look horrible. Actually, I don't suppose you have any first aid stuff so I can start patching myself up, do you? Band-aids, rubbing alcohol. Absolutely, honey, let me get the things. She ended up pouring mild hydrogen peroxide over my scraped up hand over the sink. She looked like a concerned mother and offered more help than I'd accept. She furnished me with band-aids and alcohol wipes. She helped me wrap up my injured hand after disinfecting it. After that, I excused myself to my room and finished cleaning up my remaining scrapes and covered myself in band-aids. The next day, I managed to nab a wrist brace from my fiance's mum, who's been a nurse since forever. Mad Margaret didn't harass me for at least two days afterwards. So there we go. Maybe Mad Margaret is not as bad as I first thought. If you've watched the previous two episodes, you may have also, you know, been in line with what I was thinking, that she was just a completely terrible person. But maybe she just misunderstood. Maybe she is nice. Or maybe this was a one-off, an anomalous event, and she is still crazy. Mad Margaret Part 7. Her crazy landlady. A quick disclaimer. This is a conversation I had about 10 years ago. I remember parts of the conversation very, very clearly. However, other parts I'm probably not going to get the wording perfect. I promise, however, that I'm writing it in the exact spirit of Mad Margaret, and I refuse to misrepresent myself or anyone in a conversation. It was a rainy day, and I foolishly decided to make myself food in the oven rather than the microwave. Now, those who have read my previous stories will immediately understand this is a terrible idea. The kitchen was a common area in the house, and Mad Margaret has a sixth sense for when people linger in such areas. If you found yourself in such an area for more than five minutes, it was nearly guaranteed that she would crawl out of some nearby vent or materialize from a nearby swarm of bats in order to harass or preach at you. I saw her enter the kitchen and immediately knew that I was trapped, as my taquitos had just been in and I had 11 minutes of hell standing between me and my cheap Tex-Mex salvation. Mad Margaret started her kitchen cornerings as she often did by pretending to be looking for a coffee cup. She rummaged around in cabinets for a few minutes before standing next to me to begin a conversation. So, Bailey. God help me, or the devil, I don't care which. How do you like living in this area? Honestly, I do love the area. I grew up in a desert, so I love having all the trees. Almost everyone here has been so nice as well. Hmph. You're right, these people can seem super nice, but there's evil amongst them. It's part of the human condition. There's evil people and jerks everywhere. 
She completely ignores what I said. People can seem so nice here, but really be more evil than you can imagine. Yeah, shame. Have I ever told you about my last landlady? Well, this I've got to hear. She seemed so nice at first, but ultimately she was very taken with the devil and absolutely crazy. Wow, that's really hard to imagine. When I first moved to this city with my young boys, we moved into a house near here. My landlady, an Asian name I can't remember, let us stay in a house she owned next door to her. Seems nice. Yes, it seemed like the perfect place for me and my boys, but I started to notice strange things. She made us take off our shoes before entering her house. Clearly, this was supposed to be a big hint that her landlady was evil. Uh, That's a pretty common practice, I think. Yeah, but it didn't stop there. Oh, no. Eventually, we saw her through the window doing yoga and strange poses. My goodness. After seeing her pray to the devil like this, I knew she was evil. Personally, I might need a little more evidence. This next line is literally the only reason that I remember the overwhelming majority of this conversation. And I swear to Mad Margaret's Mad God that these were her exact words. Eventually, she saw me watching her do her prayers. And she took one look at me and she tried to use her Asian ninja death breath to kill me and my boys. Her Asian ninja death breath? Yes, I asked to break the lease right there and moved out as soon as I could. She just let you break the lease? Well, yes, she probably wanted to be rid of me because God wouldn't let her kill me with the death breath. You know, I think that's a fair assumption. By that point, my taquitos were about ready and I managed to grab them and scurry back to my room. Okay, so even though we've established that Mad Margaret may have a nice side to her, may, um, and it may not have just been a coincidence that she was nice and helped you out with your cuts and bruises, she still mental and i'm sorry to swear i really am but you know it's mad margaret and she makes me do weird things she is a strange lady now for the final part of this entire story mad margaret part eight the final chapter my exit from mad margaret's house came with the very lucid realization that this woman could walk into an insane asylum and be the least sane person there i began hunting for rooms because the concept of renting an apartment or house was still too terrifying for a freshly solo op and i came across my new future landlady barb Barb had interacted with Devilish Dan, who was also looking for respite from God's own nuthouse, and had determined that he was one of the most obnoxious people on this planet. She was overjoyed to find a modest and very kind teenager who'd be willing to live quietly in the separated room she had at her house. In the year I lived at Barb's, I'd seen her a total of twice, despite living in the same house. It was very nice. Thus began my move. I figured it was too risky getting my dad back up there to help me move, as I didn't want to give Mad Margaret a reason to attempt to purge my wickedness via fire and brimstone. So I began the hunt for suitable help. Luckily, I found a friend who was willing to help at my college and we got to work. I can't quite remember his name, but he was a very nice young man who was convinced he held the secret to room temperature superconductors via gold suspended in ferrofluid. Nice idea, but wrong. How weird. He and I hopped into his Nissan Leaf and headed to Mad Margaret's. Now, while we were there packing up my things, Margaret gave a wonderful show of the duality of her nature by simultaneously praising Jesus that my wickedness was being exercised from her house and telling me that I was an okay young man and to avoid the evils of the world, such as community college, alcohol, and the devil's lettuce. She eyed my friend's Nissan Leaf with much suspicion during my exit because A, it was owned by a college kid, and B, she didn't trust hybrids, something about the devil powering them. Thankfully, as a poor college student, my worldly possessions fit in two trips in my friend's car. 
All that was left in my room was the musty furniture it came with and the bucket I put under the constant drip from the ceiling. My final words to Mad Margaret were, thank you for letting me stay in your home. Please seek mental help. Or so I thought. You see, I did see her one last time after that. I was working at my job at Radio Shack. I promise I'm not that old. Radio Shack lasted longer than you all think. When a familiar and long drawn out oh bailey came from the door there she stood in all her unholy glory mad freaking margaret dang it oh bailey i didn't know you worked here yep sure do i see you got your license back absolutely actually i was looking i'm sorry margaret i'm actually just heading out to my lunch but if you're still here when i get back we can chat i then hid in the back room for the next 30 minutes until i was certain she was gone my manager roman was quite amused as i'm typically a hard worker and would never avoid a customer i know i was young and not yet jaded by the wonderful world of retail i gave him the full story when she left now i'm sure you all want an epilogue as to the ultimate fate of mad margaret but unfortunately, I'm pleased to report that I never saw her after that point. My best guess is that she got her license revoked again, as she is absolutely the type to continually harass a single person at a store if it catches her attention. She showed me her soapbox and sign that she used to bring downtown on weekends to preach to the masses. And that's it. I got out and never saw her again. I'd like to bump into her now, as I'm a much more confident adult, and I've got nothing to lose by gently commanding her to check herself into a mental institution, but I'm just as glad to avoid her. And there we go. That concludes the Mad Margaret debacle. Eight parts, eight separate posts, all on Reddit, separated by me into three different videos and episodes. What an adventure it's been. And what a woman, I've got to say. Thank you for the content. Um, Is that a good thing? I don't know. I enjoyed the stories tremendously. To OP, Bailey, uh, respect. Love your style of writing as always, and um, really enjoyed the story. I want to see more from you though. I want you to bump back into margaret maybe in 20 years when well, I don't know We're all a little bit older and, and wiser and just see what's going on in her life track her down in 20 years Because I want to do an interview with her. That would be amazing Imagine the content me interviewing mad margaret right now sensational stuff and now for number one now Let me tell you guys. I don't think that any of you are gonna guess what i've chosen as number one for me This is definitely the most original story that i've read this year It's the most hilarious story that I've read this year and it's the one that genuinely left me open-mouthed as I could not believe What I just read so our number one story comes from r slash nuclear revenge It involves a donkey and it may well get this entire episode demonetized He forced me out of the closet. Let me spill your own terrible awful into the world I'll be honest. This story is not mine, but about my two cousins alex and steve My mother is originally from a small town in the coastal region of my country. She left when she married my dad Dad, but her two sisters stayed in the town alex is one of the sons of my youngest aunts and steve is the son of my oldest when they grew up both moved to a big city in the region for college but took way different paths alex went into an art focused career and after two semesters came out as gay while steve went stem and bathed himself in the machismo homophobic culture of the region You can guess they were not exactly close and as far as gossip goes, they pretty much hated each other As far as alex's sexuality went, it was a well-known secret among the cousins and his brothers Teens and young adults people with social media basically But it was never acknowledged in front of my grandma the other adults or even his own parents That was the context now. Let's get to the drama that unleashed on december 2017 at our family's christmas party that as always took place in my grandma's old townhouse by midnight Steve was drunk and looking for a fight and he thought that alex would be the perfect prey While not the exact words you could say this was the statement he shouted in the middle of the dance floor Hey, hey alex Where's your girlfriend? I don't see her around. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, you don't have one. Why is that? Hey, auntie, you know why your son didn't bring a girlfriend? Haven't you heard? Oh, that's because he is a sissy F-slur. He screws guys, or actually, he lets guys screw him like the little female dog he is. Alex was speechless, and so was the rest of the family, including my grandma. The musicians even stopped the music playing. But before someone could even say something back to Alex, he threw the bomb. Trigger warning. Yeah, well, at least I screw with humans. But let's not forget that your first girlfriend was the neighbor's donkey. You even tried to force me to F her once, didn't you? And hell broke loose. You see, in this particular area of my country, there is the extended myth that some men, especially teenagers, commit bestiality with donkeys. And in rural areas, this is not entirely untrue. But it's obviously never spoken that openly or casually, especially when there are outsiders present. Outsiders like Steve's girlfriend from college, who he had invited. The poor girl literally threw up in the middle of the party while she started soothing herself and crying like there was no tomorrow. To make an already long story a little shorter, my parents, thankfully my dad doesn't drink and could drive, offered to take her back to the city. We left the party in the middle of shouting, punches, someone fainting at some point, and whatnot. But I wouldn't have posted this here if this is how it ended. Steve's now ex-girlfriend told what had happened to her city friends, her parents, and basically anyone who would like to hear it. Steve was already known as a donkey effer all around the campus before he'd even come back from vacation, and his social life crumbled to dust. There was also a lot of cyberbullying involved, and he ended up quitting university. He went back to the old town and is currently the owner of a bar. He also married a local woman, if anyone wonders what happened to his love life. On the other hand, Alex ended school and he stayed in the city as a designer. His homosexuality was basically overlooked by everyone, for obvious reasons, and he is in fact my very Catholic grandma's favorite grandson. The funniest part of it all? With time, this has been basically thrown under the rug in my family. We still hold Christmas parties at the old townhouse. Alex and Steve keep their distances, but can actually speak to each other without murder intent. And we all agree to forget what happened in December 2017. Now, guys, clearly I have no way of knowing whether or not these rumors are actually true or not. But the most telling thing about this, I can't believe this story exists, by the way, I just got to say this, is that Steve never explicitly denounced these rumors. Like he could have just said instantly, what are you talking about? You're clearly lying. But no, he just took it. He didn't even have an explanation. That is very telling. Like, look at this comment right here. I'll bring it up on screen. So wait, did your cousin actually screw a donkey or was everyone just willing to accept that it was something he would do? OP replies, I think he was quite shocked and drunk in the moment and forgot he could, you know, lie. Instead, he started saying things like, I can explain to his girlfriend. So yeah, he basically admitted to doing it. Well, there you go. Um, that is, I guess, the proof. Oh, what have I just read? And there we go. That is it. Those are my top 10 stories of 2022 on the entirety of Reddit from any subreddit. What do you think? Have I missed any glaring stories? For me, those are the ones that stood out as I was going back through my channel. That last one, it's not the most well thought out story. It's not the longest story. Nothing happens that makes you go, oh, wow, that was so clever, genius. I can't believe I read that. But just think about it. Think about being in that moment when that gets revealed. Mind-blowing stuff. And that is why, for me, it is so shocking that it just had to be number one. Anyway, guys, I do want to say a massive thank you to all of you for supporting my channel and watching my videos and listening to the podcast throughout 2022. It's been a great year. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I hope this video rounds it off nicely. As always, get your comments in down below. I want to hear your top 10s if you can remember 10 of my videos. And uh, yeah, with that all being said, have a great end of the year. Happy New Year. And I'll see you in 2023. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 